podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Because you've got powerful legs, how do you get the physique? Was it gym or how do you get the physique? Um, I've always been that She's actually not got powerful legs. Do you shower in your dressing room? Do you have a shower on the day of a fight or not? Tell us about the tattoos. Shut the fuck up, oh, you yeah. little prick. But then I've got the phoenix. Hey, prick. So I'll take it from Bob every day of the week. Absolute disgrace. I hope you'll know it'll mind. Move him out of here, Daryl. Ricky Hatton didn't go over for his fighter because he risked getting abducted and sold into sexual. I never said that. <laughs> Both have been rape victims. I'm not watching Frank Buglioni live on Saturday night. Get out of your mind. Jesus Christ, get yourself a life. He's actually a uh, priest. Yeah, yeah. It's because his brother John Fury eye gouged him. What have I told you all this time? He's going to end up sucked out, fucked out, looking for a handout. Boxing, um, Natter's messenger group. Oh, they're going to, oh, I'm going to be the king. Jay Bump, you know what I'm saying? Well, hello everybody and welcome to the 518th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I'm your host Steve Wellings and joining us on the call we have Andy Patterson and Matty DiGelonardo going live on YouTube from 8 o'clock every Sunday evening. The Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes. Hello to everyone listening through the week on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to leave a review on the podcast player of your choice throughout the entire month of April. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable as always. It was a packed weekend of action, wasn't it? There was plenty going on. Shakur Stevenson getting a win. We'll be talking, hopefully, to friend of the pod and head of the Prediction League, Joe Kennedy, about that a little later on. We'll wait for Joe to make his grand entrance. We had a bit of Bam Rodriguez as well. MJ upset on that card. Bit of Showbox, bit of Kiko in Japan. Next week as well, Joe Joyce is going in against the big, uh, the big bang from China himself, Gilei Zhang. And we're hoping to have a guest jump on as well at some point. We will start this week over in the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, formerly the StubHub. I'll tell you what, there's been some great fights in the StubHub over the years. And this wasn't really shaping up to be a great one until round seven, the WBC interim World Super Welterweight title was on the line. Sebastian, the terroring Inferno Fundora, was pretty much coasting. He was using his size attributes, as always, Andy. I remember... Jamel Charlo talking about this guy. I think it was Mauro Ronaldo, maybe Al Bernstein, asking him about uh, the towering inferno. What would happen if you if you fought him? How would you fare against this guy, given his size and and his attributes and his sort of straight up style? And Charlo used to just laugh and go, "Timber," referencing an old Anne Wolf knockout. It's going to be timber, I guess. 
Jamel Charlo was maybe onto something, Andy. I think we always believed, mate, it was going to be good when it happened, or if it happened, and by fuck, when it landed, it was it was quality. Um, it, yeah, it was it was tremendous. Actually, as you say, Mendoza really had he had all to do. He was really struggling to get into the fight. He's having to do everything on on the inside. He's having to kind of keep the head moving, really kind of wriggling, trying to kind of just land what he could when he could. It wasn't really kind of got a lot of success. You know, you mentioned like Fandoro's probably always coasting it. He's keeping it kind of at his distance, landing some hit, you know, some heavy shots at least. That I think anyway, especially around about the fifth round. <laughs> then it's, you're thinking ah, it's, he's ready to take over here. And then round six, what was it like? The first twenty seconds, he takes a vicious left hook. He's literally caught. I think he's like he's walked right in there actually at the same time, hands down, walks right in there, and then the follow up right hand absolutely evaporated. You can see him, oh, just about see him in my my avatar there actually. Actually, but, uh, the human centipede is absolutely laid out in front of us. What a knockout! And fair play to Mendoza in that as well. Actually, he's just put slingshot with himself actually into relevancy becomes potentially mandatory challenger at Charlo. So. Even those managers are starting to kind of back up. You had Madrimov winning there last night as well. He's another Charlo manager as well at some point. So, uh, fair, fair play to the guy. You know, he's, that's two decent wins now, back to back. And uh, as you say, mate, it was it was always going to be good to see when it, when it actually happened. To see it happen like that, actually, it, was, it, it did not fail at this point. Quality shot, quality shot. Fair play to the guy. Absolutely. I think one thing you referenced there as well, the mandatories were piling up for Charlo. Fair play to Mendoza. He had his moment. I actually think the super welterweight division will be a poorer place without Fundora edging towards the top. I was kind of enjoying it. I thought, we look at him on the screen there. I mean, he's he's attributes. It looks looks like it's been photoshopped. Maybe it has been. I don't know. But I think it'll be a poorer place without him. I know he's going to come back and rebuild. But the the mystique has gone now. And the fact he was getting those wins. I I was enjoying his rise to the top. It's just going to be interesting. Because obviously, I mean, what is it? 6'6", right? With 154. How long is he? About 24, 25, I think they said in the broadcast. How long is he going to be kind of, you know, making 154? Really, in the future, he's gonna to have to kind of start moving up. But you look at him like that, he's gonna to have to put the weight on properly because you'd be thinking, especially going up in weight, heavier dudes, heavier punchers, they're gonna they're gonna badly damage him, especially after come, taking that left hook, mate. He's gonna come back as a cruiserweight like Guillermo Jones. Hi, fucking eat himself into the weight. You'll probably see him about three or four years later. But well, aye, I, that, that's a tough one to come back from. Actually, to be fair, I mean. Well, to be posting like that and to be badly hurt off off a vicious like you know, one punch really as well, it just totally turned the fight like that. It was absolutely incredible. Well, and don't kid yourself, Mendoza was literally losing every second of every round of that fight until that fucking punch landed. He was getting fucked up. He was bleeding, cut up, bruised. His face was as red as a tomato by the time that shot landed. But good God, if he didn't land it. And when he fight, when when Fandora fought Lubin, and Lubin dropped him, and we came back into that discussion the next day. I've said it, and I believe you guys agreed with me that that Lubin might have not been the guy because he was left-handed. But the angle for that left hook was there, and an orthodox guy was going to find that fucking hole at some point in time. It was just a matter of who and when. Brian Mendoza didn't see that coming, but with the way he just softly he sends that jab at the wrong distance, sometimes throws the uppercut at the wrong distance. It was there, and where Pandora fucked himself, Steve. 
is he was winning that fight easily, throwing a shit ton of jabs, but the crowd started booing. And he said, well, fuck that. Mm. I'm going to knock this son of a bitch out. And he went in there and to try to give a show for the fans, and he got deposited on his ass and <laughs> off because of it. The brilliant as well, because you can see Mendoza and Run Run really trying to slip that jab and trying to kind of work the body, because that's what he was kind of aiming at the, uh, you know, the very early half. And obviously, he was having obviously serious problems trying to get anything over the top, just purely because of the reach. And that's what the Fundora has been getting by on, isn't it? Sheer size, length, and uh, this time he just paid the price. I just think he's got sloppy. He's he's just he's just been loose with his defence, and he's got caught wide open, trying to throw that maybe a, a sloppy jab, and got caught with that left hook. He's kind of stepped in it as well, I think. And uh, I would have loved, I would just have loved to see what would have happened when those are just hadn't they thrown that right hand. Just see that left took land, just let it just let it play out to see if he would have fell on his arse. They've been tremendous, but follow up, man. You got to, you got to applaud that. That's killer instinct. I think, Andy, what you were saying as well, what made the KO more chilling was the fact that it kind of came in instalments. It all happened yeah, quite quickly, but we all change. we all realised how hurt Fundora was. Then all of a sudden, he realised how hurt he was. Then Brian Mendoza realised how hurt he was, and he just piled it on. And then the commentators realised that he was about to go. It just happened so so quickly. and It, it was unexpected, mate. As I say, you know, round five, I think I'd, I'd noticed something here, that you know, it was uh, Mendoza doing all he can on the inside, taking out, you know, just trying to work, just trying to find something. And he's catching a lot of leather as, as a huge result of it as well, just purely because of the reach. And then he's come out unexpectedly in early half a round section, just absolutely turned the fight, flipped it massively. Is my I probably agree with Matty in that you you would really struggle to try and you probably maybe give him one round probably, but uh, you wouldn't disagree with a potential shot out and then absolutely just just flipping the script like that, just shot catapulted himself actually the potential payday. So uh, fair play to him. Yeah, uh, Matty, a former pod favourite, dangerous Dave Lee from Limerick was saying afterwards. He kind of gives up his size, Fundora, a bit like Paul Williams. There's always a chance you can get sparked. We saw what happened to Williams with Martinez. But at the same time, I agree with MB, actually. I thought he is safer on the inside. Opponents can't really generate anything that will hurt him. And he can work the short hooks and uppercuts. So it's the mid-range. May, may, yeah, maybe. Yeah. He got caught sort of in no man's land, Matty, a little bit, didn't he? Yeah, it's loose. that mid-range. He's, mm. if, if he sticks behind a jab... Um, and, and he keeps you at the end of it. You're not going to touch him, right? He's 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 fucking massive. He's got an eighty inch. Uh, he's got an eighty inch reach. Um, when he's in there smothering you, uh, you you can't get to his. You just can't reach his head really at the end of the day. So I mean, you can kind of touch him to the body, but his arms are so long, you can keep his his uh, elbows in and protect his body. And then he he can throw those those uppercuts, you know, and cut between uh, you when there's any bit of distance. But there's that middle ground. And that Paul Williams reference, I think, is right because you look at the shot that Sergio Martinez knocked him out with, a very kind of similar shot from a very similar distance. Um, it was and angle as well. Yeah, I mean it's 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 there, and that's the thing about it, everybody thinks that being massively tall is this an incredibly great attribute, and I think it can be if, if you're using it, but it can also be tremendous to your detriment. I mean, I, we've seen time and time again these tall, lanky fighters in in every weight class uh, just get mowed over by uh, shorter fighters with a uh, with an over the top shot. Um, it's it's um, so I mean, fair fair play to Mendoza for just trudging on. I was kind of shocked his corner didn't pull him at some point in time because he was getting the shit beat out of him, but. 
what a great way to end a couple of good back-to-back wins. He, he finished Rosario off, uh, uh, sent him in retirement in the, the fight prior. So, uh, you know, fair play to the guy. Well, well, I mean, going off on a, on a tangent, Matty, there, we've spoken about some stoppages recently, the some that I've not been happy about, and we've disagreed occasionally, the some that you've not been happy about. Like you said, they could have pulled Mendoza out, and he wouldn't have been there with the chance to throw that shot and land that shot. No, no, they absolutely wouldn't have been able to to, to even have that opportunity. And and fair fair play to his corner for for keeping him in there because, you know, I mean, uh, the hindsight being twenty twenty, obviously, Steve. But if that fight, uh, if they had if they had pulled Mendoza at the end of the sixth round, would you have really complained all that much? You know, yeah, uh, I would have done. Send him in for a beating. I want to see more beatings, Matty, in boxing. Well, talk, talking about beatings, by the way, just stake. I mean, just speculate for a second here, but what? You know, we didn't want to, we didn't want to write the guy off 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 one defeat, but yeah. that that what what does that do to Fandora? What does he come back as? You know, because at the same time, that's a bad knockout. That's that that, that left took is he's basically put him on Queer Street. The right hand follow up is basically fucking put him down, knocked him out. Maybe another left hand quickly just towards before him falling down, and his head's hit the canvas. It's bounced off it. What's that taking out his career? What does that do to his psyche? Does does he then become mentally thinking I, I can get Spartan now that he's not the same fighter anymore? I don't you know like how I don't that, like that how... could be the end of him. It could be the end of him. Give him a rematch. Nine, nine months out and stick him back in the I, I don't like the way that he reacted to it. Like whether they have a rematch and he wins it is inconsequential to me. I don't like how willing he was to accept defeat. I think he was rewired, Matty. I, I don't think he knew where he was. Yeah, I mean you might be, he, oh, he was, he, when he sat up, yeah, I mean, he was obliterated. Like, I was thinking he could get up, but he wasn't getting up because I think he's like, what the fuck just happened there? Yeah. I thought he was Terry Harper in the ring, though. <laughs> see, he see when you actually see him, yeah. see, actually see the, the, the angle where it's actually you know, face on uh, uh, Fandora himself. When you actually see it in slow motion, the shot landing, he mm. instantly sags. The knees, you know, basically, he's, he's gone already. He's just ready to fall. That right hand just made it, just, made, just fucking put the nail in the coffin, basically. Mm-hmm. A quick word for Mendoza before we move on to the undercard, Andy. He wasn't someone who was really on my radar. And he, he, I know he had a lot of, de- of sort of mediocre wins. And then that split decision loss to Larry Gomez probably told the PBC what they thought about him. The fact he went 10 rounds with Thomas LaManna, the cornflake, said to me last week that he hadn't got a hope in hell because the cornflake's shit and usually gets stopped by anybody half decent. He did put up a good show in there, um, uh, Mendoza, against Jesus Ramos. We saw what he did to Joey Spencer last week, so perhaps that could have been a bit of an indication of how decent he was. And then that KO win over Jason Rosario, who is a bit glass to the body, but uh, Ozzy always goes on about a loss isn't the end of the world. He's had a couple of bad losses. They've tried to put him in the away corner for the third time, and this time he's come out on top, so fair play to him. Yep, absolutely, mate. As um, I just wondering if if he would get a payday. Obviously, Ch- Charlo's situation. We need to look at the sanction bodies when the mandatories not are due. So, what what does that do for him in terms of opportunities? Obviously, he's, he's got a belt to defend. He probably want to try and cash in uh, on that wee bit of recognition as being some sort of kind of world champion. Maybe a Danny Garcia fight. I don't know. Uh, if he wins, I put something into the kind of shop window for a Charlo fight. Um, they're, I know they're trying Charles to make Cornwell. Danny Garcia against uh, Arislandy Lara, but I I think Danny Garcia could pick that belt off of Mendoza pretty easily. Actually, no no nothing against Mendoza, but I mean he was 
absolutely get battered until he landed that shot. It was it was just, you know, out of fucking nowhere. Punch I thought Lara was moving up to middleweight. I don't know why they're trying to drag him back down. I've heard a few people. No, Lara to... has a belt at 160 pounds. So it was, they're saying Garcia would go up to 160. Oh, go up, chance. right? Oh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 160? Yeah. Garcia? And I think it's dumb that they even give him a chance of that belt. And I mean, not to, to, to go off too much here, but it's kind of like, I, I don't see what he's done to even earn a chance at 160. I mean, he had one fight at 154. It's, it's kind of like, what the fuck is Raleigh doing getting a title shot after getting sparked by tank at 135 in a new weight class against a new champion. That's a fucking joke. You know I mean? There's all these guys have been waiting in line for fucking ever at 140 of all the weight classes. And they're giving this fucking chump a title shot. Stupid as shit. But anyways, um, yeah, great fight. The undercard was good too, though. Okay, tell us about it then, because I didn't see any. Well, uh, to be honest, I watched the first four rounds of Nunes against um, some other fellow, Olivio, was it? Olivo, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I saw that. I didn't see Brandon Lee. Though. I, I like Brandon Lee. Uh, for, if he, he is what he is, as you would say, but um, he, he is going the distance now that he's moved up in levels. Well, and real quick, Steve, because you only saw the four rounds of that Nunez fight. Let me just say real quick. Yes. Because the scorecards were, I, they almost made me not want to talk about the fight at all. If I told you that Nunez was going to end up with a card 100 to 90 after those first rounds you saw, would you believe me? No, no. I was surprised to see that after after I looked at that, to be honest. Yeah. I, I thought at worst, uh, the first four rounds were 2-2, if not leaning Olivo. Um, yeah. So that it's a shame they wouldn't give that kid a chance. Not much of a puncher, but he was in Nunez's face all night long. Ate some good shots, outworked him. Um, Olivo definitely deserves another shot. Nothing against Nunez. I thought the uh, the fight could have legitimately been, you know, like a draw. Um, it, it was really, really close. But anyhow, um, but the, for me, the fight of the night, um, I mean, that KO was great. But if you kind of forget how one-sided it was until then. Uh, the fight of the night for me was Brandon Lee against Pedro Campa. Uh, Campa's, uh, you know, had a couple of tough defeats, but he, he's a tough son of a bitch. And uh, Lee was trying to come in there and prove something after going the distance and getting hurt in a couple fights. And they just came and they went to war. And the first three or four rounds, Lee was just landing these great counter shots and, and combinations, throwing Campa's head back nasty. Um, and it was, you know, you're thinking, oh, man, Campa's going to get stopped. But he just kept eating them. And then he started to find these body shots, and, and then he was working in head punches. And, you know, other than maybe a ninth round, which I think was a little flat, if I might recall, um, it, it was what an exceptional fight. Uh, the 10th round was great. They, they landed bombs. Anyone who didn't catch this one on the Showtime undercard, um, it, it's, it's not a, a fight of the year. But I mean, it's it's a, a damn worthy fight to 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 talk uh, to watch and talk about. Is uh, some great bombs between them. Uh, the scorecards were way out of whack. I didn't think that uh, a draw again would have been out of the bounds. Maybe a, a little bit of a lean to Lee. Um, for the very least, he's the hometown fighter. Uh, but what a tremendous war this was on the Showtime undercard. Um, it's starting to become more and more clear that there's a, a ceiling to Brandon Lee. But you know what? If he's willing in the, to stand in there and uh, uh, throw some shots, uh, he could just end up being one of those great action fighters because he's, he's got a pretty damn decent chin about him. Uh, he can be hurt, but he's he's willing to keep going. And he, God, he, uh, he throws some good punches too. Campa ate some bombs to be able to get it to that final bell. Uh, it was a true testament of will uh, that he got through those first handful of rounds because they were in, in just a tremendous shot. So, um, again, watch that one. I uh, thought it was a really even fight that the scorecards did not tell the story on. 
Uh, just sticking with you before we bring Andy back in, Matty, it was kind of split up this whole thing. I saw, like I said, the Nunes fight, didn't see Lee, saw the main event. I didn't see the sort of, pr- pr- I don't know how to describe it, the next sort of phase downwards, including Ariola and that. But I did see Frank Sanchez knocking out an absolute pudding, that Daniel March, as soon as I saw his name. Uh, on the uh, on the roster, I knew that that was going to go about a round or two at the absolute most. I saw a good little scrap, a draw between Adrian Corona and Jerry Perez. Perez had fought uh, Frank Martin before, he's one of my prospects to watch. And then Gabriel Maestre, obviously he had that whole fuss with the WBA back, the gloves issue, the Michael Fox, the racist judge. He went in against Mr. Stretched Anus himself, Devin Alexander, who looked absolutely shot to shit. Maestre, he's maybe shaking off the, the chains of that previous fight and can maybe move on with his career. I thought he looked decent as, as much as Alexander looked poor. And Frank Sanchez, I mean, he might as well have not been in the ring at all, Matter. Yeah, I didn't have a chance to catch any of those, um, but it, uh, it it sounds like they need to up the competition a little bit there, at least for Sanchez, because he is he is a tremendous fighter. Um, at least they're keeping him a little bit busy. Uh, you can take a little bit from that. So, um, but it's I, you gotta you gotta hand it to him. I, I it's um, I, I don't know what the state of boxing is going to be and and where certain things are going to land, but uh, PBC for everything that Al Heyman did to to screw up boxing. Uh, I mean, uh, just uh, night by night, they they still give uh, produce the best cards in the sport of boxing. Absolutely, Andy. Did you catch anything of the PBC um, stuff? Maybe the prelims or the the stuff further up the card. Yes, I, I seen the, the Brandon Lee fight, mate. I, I agree mm-hmm. with Matty. It was uh, it was a you know, tough tough battle. Scorecards were definitely way wide. I think one was almost like a complete shutout, disgrace. Uh, Camper was really in, you know, giving that really good go but at the same time Brandon Lee I think I think he's maybe trying to switch styles I think people were saying that as well and he's kind of like reverted back to what he kind of previously was which was kind of like a, a fun kind of like brawn fight or so I agree with what Matty was saying as well maybe he's not going to make it to a kind of title level as such but it should be it should be decent filler for some cards not along the way I've seen Sanchez and that as well mate I agree with you that was, that was absolutely shite he's far better than that mate seriously was it 21 and 0 now or whatever it is 22 and 0 Mm. He's fighting. He's still fighting that type of shite. Um, need far better, absolutely, uh, for him. And I, I think I saw a scenery in that card. To be fair, um, I might have caught some of the zone stuff possibly on the prelims. Uh, let me see here. Ah, I seen Madrimov and Castro. That was that, mate. I go into I... them now. Then Andy, let us know what you spotted because I didn't catch anything of that card really, yeah. apart from a little few highlights. Ah, again, I think. Castro just uh, banged it out in the end. Actually, he's 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 not, he's not great to be fair, but um, done the job in the end. As for Madrimov, um, didn't look great. I think he looked labour to me. Actually, I don't know if it's uh, just like a, a ceiling level with him or whatever and that is. Maybe it's just like an kind off of fight. Maybe it's uh, it's just you know in terms of opponents, you know, getting up for it basically. But I, th- I thought he looked poor, uh, to be fair. And uh, if he's next in line for Charlo, whenever that fight were to happen, actually, depending on what kind of state Charlo's in, I still even think Charlo would, would, would have to beat him actually at this point, to be fair. So, uh, no great, no great to be fair, mate. Uh, Marjorie, I didn't think anyway, at least. Um, and I didn't catch the Akmadali fight, unfortunately. I can't comment on that one. Uh, well, just on a wider point, I only watched highlights of it, but just the way it kind of affects the division now, I was not expecting Tapales to win that one. I would have been in favour of MJ fighting Fulton, clearing up the division, and I thought it would have been a pretty even money fight, Fulton pulling away and, and winning, but it would have been competitive. And then he went on to fight Inouye, absolutely happy with that. 
MJ maybe not up for it. Like I say, I haven't seen much more than you, Andy. But just from a wider perspective, that's a that's a blow to MJ. That is. As um, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think I might have seen the odds. Actually, I was going to ask Ozzy if he'd seen anything during the week about about that fight in terms of odds because Ak think... was paying about one to six. He was a yeah, heavy favourite. I was going to say, I, I, I believe so because obviously. We... I think the Palace had obviously been in with some some decent names there over the past few years, but but at like super at like Superfly, you know, it was he, he's your uh, smaller fighter. Uh, his most recent wins are against kind of nobodies. It, this was way unexpected. Big, big yeah, ob- obviously it's always a big upset. But he says he he obviously spent like kind of came up through the kind of weights and that kind of spent most of it kind of running about the one eighteen area and that. But that that, that is a big upset. I, I agree. I mean, you look at the scorecards and that as well. I just got to ask the question. I mean, you got one eighteen, one ten here. And then you've got two cards, one fifteen, one thirteen. Did you catch it, Matty? I mean, what is what's, what's the script of that? What was that, real quick? I was looking at the sidebar. Uh, one of the scorecards. So you've got Tapalas winning uh, both one fifteen, one thirteen. You've got Ahmed winning one eighteen, one eighteen, one ten. That, that one eighteen, one ten is mental. Yeah. Um, it was it was a, a pretty close fight. That if it came out even, I don't think that you could have complained. It you wouldn't have expected. The uh, underdog fighter, you know, without the ba- uh, you know big backing and push, uh, as Topolis was to to get the to to get that fight as close as it was, but he did, and I think that it was absolutely fair. Um, Akhmadalia was just flat uh, for the first half of the fight, really, maybe picked a round, maybe two in there, uh, but and he, he he closed it strong. But Topolis, mm. good jab, good shots over the top. Um, in and he just uh kept uh Akhmedaliev occupied the whole time. And, and I mean, you're talking about a guy here who was you know 115 pound fighter, Akhmedaliev should have been much bigger, stronger, able to impose himself more. Um, again, big shock for the division. Wouldn't be surprised if there's a rematch, wouldn't be surprised if it only ends up being for one belt the way they work shit like that, Steve. You know, like nobody mm-hmm. wants Marlon Topolis to have two belts, <laughs> and with the fucking shine off Akhmedaliev, no one really cares if he has two belts either. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked to see him in the ring again for a single belt before the end of the year. Um, a worthy winner by Topolis, um, and a big shocker. And it, it, by the odds, you would have said, well, that's the upset of the night. If it weren't for the Fendora Mendoza, which I think was a fair bit odder, uh, wider, I think that Fendora might've been one to 12 in some places. It was, that might be the upset of the year, honestly. Yeah. MB says that Topolis, Sean Gibbons fighter does it again. Absolutely coming on through. It's not a, it's not a favorable decision, but it's, it's what happened there. 118, 110 from what I saw was just far too wide. I think that Ahmed Ali have definitely closed the gap, but he was really slow off the block. They were talking about maybe an injured left hand or something, or he wasn't throwing it hard enough or not letting it go, uh, relying on the lead right hook. Tapales just came out of the traps. He was hitting with a lot of nice shots from what I saw, especially with the uppercut. He was just getting the shots off a lot quicker. And Ahmed Ali, I think he got stunned a little bit. He just couldn't get to grips with the fight. He was getting nailed. He knew his, um, his titles were on the line, absolutely. He closed very strong. And he, like a champion, like a true champion, tried to fight back. But I thought Tapales was the rightful winner. Pretty close, but that 118-110 was absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, he's kind of shook up the division now. And he's a bit of an unfancied champion. Uh, as for the main event, uh, Matty, again, I flick through this, to be honest. Sometimes I'm a bit hit and miss with Bam Rodriguez. I appreciate what he does. But sometimes with these kind of opponents, I don't know, it becomes a little bit samey round after round, which is absolutely fine. I'm not, I'm not knocking him, but I'm not going to necessarily sit on a Sunday morning and watch it when I haven't got the time. And it looks to me, 18-0, and 0, Sonny Edwards, 19-0. and 0. They must be on a collision course now 
against one another, Matty? What do you think? Rodriguez and Edwards, the number one and number two in the division? It sounds like that's uh, the direction that they're going to go. And it, it was actually a pretty good fight at times. Uh, uh, Christian Gonzalez uh, had his moments for sure. Um, he had a you know a bit of a height and a reach advantage. He moved pretty well. Uh, and uh, he, he landed some good shots in there. Proof of that, Steve, I guess you didn't catch the end of the fight, is that uh, Bam's jaw was broken in the sixth round. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, he could barely talk after the fight. So Sonny Edwards and Bam will probably be happening somewhere later in the year. Um, he's going to need some healing time on that. Uh, he's, he's honest about it. He said, I just got caught with my mouth open, busted my jaw, um, and his this kind of speech being he had a broken jaw. Um, but it was, uh, you know, good enough performance and considering the guile he showed to fight through, you know, uh, the back half of that fight with a broken jaw is uh, a testament to the toughness of the guy. He's obviously got to tighten up on his defense, but pretty good offensive showcase at the end of the day. He did good work both upstairs and downstairs with both hands, um, was able to get uh, Gonzalez moving in both directions and set traps going both ways. Um, there, there's a lot to like about Bam, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does against Edwards because he did struggle with Gonzalez a bit uh, in his movement, but I venture to say Gonzalez is a bit more of a puncher than Edwards. Yeah, he's got he's a strange trajectory, isn't he? He keeps moving up and down, Rodriguez. I know he fought, was it Quadras, and then saw, he stopped saw Rungvisai, didn't he? That was a fantastic yep. result. That was up at 115. Yep. His last fight was also up at 115. This one was down at 112. Am I getting this right? Yep. Where, where's, is he moving up for challenges and opportunities? Is this his natural weight class as far as to at least fight Sonny Edwards there, and then you can move back up again all you want kind of thing. Well, I, Andy, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but either he had a belt or he was next in line for a chance at a belt at 108, and he jumped up for that chance at 115 on short notice when I think uh, maybe Estrada pulled out against Quadras might have been or Watch something like eye. that. Because he also um, defended against that Israel Gonzalez, who they... Mm. And Gonzalez, Roman Gonzalez had fought him a few years previously, beat him on points. Not. Yeah, so I think uh, so. I think that he's one. He he just basically skipped over one twelve, and he could still make it and, and kind of build up his resume. This will be forward. I would think though at this point, he, what is, I think he's 22, 23. Um, I think this will be him. I think this will be him for a couple of years. Broken jaw, so you don't know how you know how bad that might be. Apparently, uh, I thought. He, he just fights like your arch typical, you know, Garcia fighter, doesn't he? He's overly aggressive. He's stalking, trying to kind of wear him down. I just think he overly pushed for the knockout last night, and it's probably cost him. You know, it's cost him, you know, a decent, a decent nice dinner, basically. You know, for a few for a few weeks. Um, I think Gonzalez as well. I think he he'll get another opportunity as such. I don't know what weight. I think he came up and wait for this one, but um, he is firstly he's 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 got a very good chin. But his stamina is world class, man. You know, he used every inch of that ring. He had Gonzalez, sorry, he had Rodriguez chasing him all over the place. I thought he was tailored, you know, the absolute perfect build up for a Sonny Edwards fight because he knows now what he's kind of facing. I agree with what Matt was saying. He's not got the same, probably same kind of pop as what maybe Gonzalez had. But the fact that he's had to go chase it, try and take the fight to him, try and pin him down. Anytime Gonzalez felt the ropes, he spun off it, he was away. He was, you know, he would certainly pop off his, his his own punches, three, four punches at a time. Then he was away again. It was always kind of like frustrating Rodriguez, and he would get himself caught with uppercuts from time to time. He get caught with body shots. Um, so 
yeah, it's um, it's it was it was interesting to see. It's, it's what you wanted to see in that as well. You didn't want to see him getting getting all his own way at this point in his career. He's had to kind of for a wee bit of gut check. As I say, shit my shots, especially the the right uppercuts and the left hooks. And as I say, Gonzalez really really impressed me by by how he boxed under pressure. Didn't look phased, looked composed, very very as I say, world class stamina man. And by all accounts, going off that performance anyway, a very good chin. So um, obviously Rodriguez was was definitely the winner for me, but um, it's cost me a wee bit. But that's the price you take. Yeah, um, I think just briefly as well, Andy, before we go further down the card, uh, if Rodriguez is out injured, that's the perfect opportunity for this Sonny Edwards-Martinez fight they're talking about. Let's get that on. Let's Sonny uh, outbox him for 12 rounds and then maybe move on to Bam at some point later in the year. But Edwards-Martinez is decent enough in the interim for me. I'd be, I'd be happy enough with that. I'd be happy enough with that as well, actually. I'm just, I'm just going to try and pull up his record to see if Martinez has maybe got a fight arranged because obviously if he has, then... Sonny's looking at other options because I'm sure he had something arranged. He's fighting a guy called Ronald Batista, okay. Mexico, in six of May, so a month away, a month. Canelo undercard. That's right. Uh, aye. Yeah, maybe an opportunity to just let let loose, get rid of somebody, aye. and then move on, perhaps. No, he's 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 quite big for the weight, Martinez. So I don't know how he's dumping it and how he's then you know replenishing it. Would he be back out in time? And Sonny Edwards is highly kind of like. You know, fitting that weight pretty well. I mean, he he, he cuts it kind of tight, I think. So, what did you be looking at? May, June, July, August. Maybe Pro- September. It would, be, it would probably be on the Mexican Independence undercard in September. Uh, so it really, de- it really depends on Bam Rodriguez's injury at this point. How long is he going to be out for? How long is he going to be out with terms of sparring that type of thing? What about the chances of a Sunny, uh, Sunny and Charlie little brother grudge match in between? I, I, you know, I don't know if that's hyped up bullshit. Nah, if they really want to punch mate. each other in the face, forget that shit. That's not going to happen. Let's get it on. That's what I say. I just think, I just think, you know, expectations with Bam have been really high. Steve, obviously, like you mentioned, the the, the two wins, Quadras and. Uh, Rungvisai, it's really yeah. set a kind of high bar for him, really. So anything he does at this point, it seems it seems a, a kind of bit of a letdown as such. I suppose it's a, it's a bit like Lomachenko, maybe early part of his career, he's looking for kind of bigger fights and he's fighting that trash for Thailand, for example. Mm. Things like that. I just think uh, we've just been used to him having, you know, looking decent, winning big fights against, you know, high-caliber opponents in, you know, in, in that division as such. But... Um, Certainly, I think uh, if if Gonzalez can maybe make one uh, light flyaway, I think he'd, he'd be he'd be decent there. Yeah, yeah. I'm always complaining about boxers being inactive, but these little shits are too active for me. I can't keep up with them. So we need more of a Charlo um, calendar for the likes of Rodriguez, so I can f- finally start following the lower weights again at some point. Anyway, yeah. they, they should on, fight as often as uh, as we harvest bananas. You know, it's 18 <laughs> months. That, that, that's about how often I like my fighters at the ring. That, that's why I'm so fond of Thurman. Exactly, Keith Thurman. He might return, he might not. Uh, further down on undercard, Matthew, you were waxing lyrical about the Thomas Matisse Ramiro Cezana fight. Cezana's nickname, Mate, is the demon. So it was good to see him being dismissed on this holy Easter weekend. It uh it wasn't for me. I I, I thought he uh, I I thought that he was in good position to maybe win that fight coming in as a as a slight underdog against Matisse, who we have seen uh you know with with the good quality of opposition this guy comes in he throws uh throws a good number of punches throws some hard shots um and it got and I really thought that he kind of bossed the first uh, half of the fight but then Matisse started getting back into it 
there was a really bogus point deduction in this one. I'm trying to remember the referee's name. I should have looked it up because I want to cuss him out twice. Um, and it, it was it was kind of stupid. And and I'll, I'll give fair play. And this was a, a Sassanu made a mistake on this. And so what had happened is is he he landed a, a, a shot, not a huge shot, and knocked out the mouthpiece of Matisse. And he wanted to be a good sportsman, so he pointed down to the mouthpiece so the referee was aware of it. And when he was pointing down, Matisse punched him in the mouth. (laughs) And so the referee took a point away from Matisse without having calling time, without stopping the action or anything like that. And, and like, I kind of get where he's coming from. Like, he was like a classy move, and he got punched in the mouth for it. But protect yourself at all times. So Matisse is down by a point at that point in time, and I was thinking in the last round that it could that it might decide it either way. Um, that point deduction could really come into play, and very much like the Fabio Worley Michael Coffey fight, you know, there was a series of punches against the ropes, and this one was you know there was more than Coffey was taking in, but the fighter was clearly protecting himself. You know, it's in the last round, and the ref stops the fight. And the Sasania has so much left in him. He goes running around the ring. I'm just blown away. These fighters have the fucking restraint to not pop these fucking refs after some of these choices. I agree with that, actually. Carry on, sorry. Yeah, and and he, uh, you know, and he had the bread stolen from his mouth. It should have gone to the cards. Um, I don't know what the cards were. I'd actually be curious. Um, but that fight shouldn't have been stopped. Uh, it was a truly competitive, nice back and forth, good action fight. Other than, you know, the shit ending, I do suggest watching it. Definitely one of the... Uh, the better fights of the weekend, but terrible performance by the referee in that one. Um, you know, really ruining that. Rafael Ramos, Matt. Yeah, Rafael Ramos can suck a dick. Yeah, Who, whose dick? Any suggestions or whose dick? He can suck our collective dick. The 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 dick of boxing fans. Whenever Rafael Ramos runs into a boxing fan, he should just get on his knees and place their cock inside of his mouth and start sucking until they inseminate the back of his throat because he is doing damage to the sport. There's a frightful thought for you on a Sunday evening, everybody. Episode 518, Matty bringing bringing the evocative images. I was going to say the worst is in the chat, but I don't know. I think, yeah, Matty's on a very Dixie. Bloody loves it, says Michael Thompson. If you're enjoying the Asylum chat and Matty's chat, smash the like as Take Aims as suggested. Matty's here and is here along with me, Steve. Let's have a look through the chat and see who's hanging around. Aims, as we mentioned there. Uh, Jim McDonald Boxing 2.0. MJ's with us as well. Uh, Michael Thompson, Lee on the Canteen. Simon Hill's here, ABC. Yaffa Cakes. Uh, Big A, Boris the Spider. Uh, who else have we got here as well? Mark Stanton. Uh, there's some characters. I'm coming to them shortly. Uh, Johnny, formerly Horsecock. No more cock talk, please. Maximus Jenkins is with us as well. We need to behave ourselves. Teacher Sonny D. Imagine if that was going on in the classroom. Uh, Christmas is here early, as usual. Uh, a few characters as well. We've got Rolf Harris. Sliding into the chat, aren't they? Alongside Tony Boswell's dildo. I'm all fingers and thumbs, says Tony. <laughs> and Ed Gein has slipped in as well. He says, anyone wants a lamp made from human bones? So... Oh, Christ. And the, the 2am horny gimp in the village as well says, hi, chaps. So hello to the 2am horny gimp in the village. Um, see if anyone's... <laughs> if... Oh, I, don't know a, I hope it doesn't uh, bump into... Uh, you call him Ving Rames and Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it doesn't bump into Rob. So maybe in Rob's village. 
<laughs> oh gosh, who else we got here? I think that's everybody actually, to be honest with you. There's less oh, chat tonight. Charlie Burley. Uh, yeah. Oh, Charlie Burley, yeah. Ben Russell as well. Yep. Charlie Burley TB has jumped in as well. Some rascal accounts tonight. Absolutely. There's the gimp himself. Only only 5,431 in the chat tonight. So a quiet Easter weekend. Um, over in where the hell were we? Fantasy Springs Casino Thursday evening. Angela Costa lost a unanimous 10 round decision to Angelino Cordova. I am not going to burden you with that one, though, Andrew. I'm going to go over to Japan instead on, God, I know, it was about 10 o'clock Saturday morning. I think this one started and went right on through. Kiko Martinez losing a 12-round decision to Raya Abe. I'll tell you what, Don Trello was over there, favourite judge, shout out to Don. I could have asked you this question about 10 years ago, Andy. The same question applies today. Is Kiko Martinez finally done? Hey. <laughs> probably <laughs> mate. probably uh, firstly it was an odd weekend of boxing I mean there was nothing for us during the, like, the day or the night time and that so thankfully this was this was available I downloaded this and I watched this at, at, at night time um, yeah Kiko what can you say man he just made a usual quick start and but that uh, what was he called Ryer Abe or what he called yeah. he's, he's a solid boxer by the way very good performance uh, quality straight left hands and Ended up putting a lot of swelling on Kiko. Um, even when he got cut, actually, I think that Abe got cut by the right eye, uh, right above the eyelid. And never really phased him. Just kind of kept it simple, boxed his way into a comfortable decision, I felt. So, again, mate, whether it, is he done? Seriously, seriously I, I, I would expect him to get pulled up to another fight with someone for a eliminator or something along those lines, without doubt. Um He's just what he is, mate. He's, he'll come forward, he'll fight. He'll, he, he can be one of the fighters you can totally outbox him, and that's what happened to him. But if you're a fighter who, that you rely on brawling or in fighting and that, I think he, he still gives you a fight, possibly, at this point. Um, performance of the night of that card actually would probably be that Sas, is it, uh, Sasuke against uh, Obara. Um, Sasuke doesn't seem to like, you know, like, waste a lot of shots. Uh, but he could drop a right hand in round two. They didn't really seem to hurt him, but he, he came right back, uh, right back at that uh, Obara, pretty strong, and uh, manages to kind of walk him a right hand and absolutely starches Obara, man, absolutely brutalizes him, bad knockout. That Obara has been around for years, and I've seen his I, name appearing on box track for ages now. He must be well in his thirties now, mate. Um, as I said, mm-hmm. he? so I was, it was youth against experience here, but it was definitely a past a torch moment that one. Uh, anyway, against Salisa, actually, again, Salisa is another one, mate, who's always been on, you know, he's been on the scene now, must be, what, uh, 40 now at least. I remember when he was fighting, um, uh, it was a fight, I think it was in Japan a few, many years ago, actually, it was one of the, uh, Kohei Kono, that's who it was, fucking great fight, one of the fights of the year, actually. Still going at 41, uh, can still prove it, he's, he's a hard night's worker, actually, so another one who might get called in for, you know, Hard fight for your upcoming fighter contender status. Now, Inuye doesn't seem to have the the blessed power of the of the other Inuye fighters. Now, but he's still a solid enough boxer. Dealt with a lot of pressure for for Solis, uh, and I thought Inuye handled it pretty well. Boxed smoothly enough. Um, had the battle through a cut as well. Round five, I think it was caused by an elbow actually. Um, the one eighteen one ten card. I think there was one. Uh, I forget the other two at this point, but it was uh, definitely wide. Yeah. So. I would imagine as well, he'd maybe fight, maybe they kind of become Shui Shida next. 
seems logical, but the WWE contenders doesn't kind of really bring up any decent names, so I'd imagine he'd just be kind of picking uh, out the top 10 over his reign, I would imagine. And Solis, as, as I mentioned, he'll probably remain active. He's, he was he was active in the fight, he remained competitive to a degree, and, but definitely game, yeah, gatekeeper status at this point. And Ken Shiro, at one point, I kind of wrote this guy off, actually, because I thought after like, uh, t- taking that, um, that knockout loss, wasn't he stripping himself way down in weight or something? Him. I, I, I think. I, I think. Was that, was that, that guy, Diego Higa? Sorry, Higa. yes, I'm, yes I'm thinking of the wrong person. He was awful, mate. Me, me trying to make yeah. that away. Yeah, it was uh, against Shibuki. He he seems to have come back. He's in looking focused, top condition. He switched on pretty quick because uh, Matty wants to come and listen to it as well because he probably watched it there. That Ulus Kuga, I think he, he pronounced his name. He came to fight, man. Ulus Kuga, he came to fight. He put the heat on uh, Kensiro pretty early. He switched on it pretty quick. Um, and he had to use a lot of the ring, especially around about the round two, kind of summer part, around about three and four. But around about the fourth and fifth, man, I thought Kensiro was starting to kind of like Get his range in. Uh, try, he was definitely getting to zero, and actually, he's like going to land in more shots in the body. And I think uh, Oz Quigley was actually as, as as aggressive as he used to be. Certainly, he was bringing in the left hooks and the right uppercuts and that as well. But that's the Tyson to kind of turn around about the fifth for me at least. And that he was conceding ground. Oz uh, Quigley was not over aggressive as I mentioned. And uh, I think it was about the seventh possibly. I think that may have been the breakthrough round, and he's caught my kind of brutal left hand in the body. And then the ninth, he's, he's forced a stoppage. You know, he's, he's just basically drops him. The referee's kind of seen, seen enough and stops the fight. So, again, late notice of replacement, and, and they can be hard fights, but I felt Ken, Ken Shiro dealt with it pretty, pretty decently, considering that guy was coming for a big opportunity, took it to him, and ultimately kind of got, got beaten down after about four or five rounds, which kind of changed the tide. So, good good performance for, for me by, by Ken Shiro. Well, I mean, a five-fight novice uh, coming in there late notice, uh, 23 years old. The Oswego will be back again. Uh, did well, didn't he? He'll come again, unlike Jade. I thought yeah, he, yeah. he boxed really yeah. well. Yeah, he was I, I he was landing some exceptional shots in there, and, and Taraji has a, a tremendous chin. I mean, don't kid yourself. Uh, some of the shots that Oswego was landing on him would have definitely uh, dropped a, a lesser fighter, but Taraji, as tough as they come, um, and it just landing those those combinations that he's known for, uh, and and he has a tremendous jab. You know, I I uh, I, I said in the uh, the Nutters chat that he kind of in a, a certain way he seems like he kind of fights like a little Golovkin. And uh, FMG, uh, the do- good doctor himself, said, yeah, mm. he, he really gets good extension on that jab, the way that Golovkin did, just by lifting his right hand a little bit when he throws it. Um, and I thought about like, yeah, he, that is, he, he definitely that's something he does well that I didn't pick up on exactly. So definitely a, a Golovkin influence fighter there in Taraji, um, who, who just, uh, you know, was able to withstand that storm, land some huge shots. And in the eighth round, Alasquega uh, did very, very well. Um, that was a, a clear round for him, I thought. And and then uh, Taraji came back in the ninth and, and you know, that shot, shots against the ropes. I do think the ref might have been a bit quick to stop it. Um, and the reason I say that is because if you're knocked out of the ring, you have 20 seconds. So I think you have to give consideration to that recovery time and be on top of that strange rule that does exist in boxing. Uh, but nonetheless, um, I it probably would have finished it anyways. And, and just another uh, great victory from Kenshiro Taraji. And, and uh, you talk about a fight that I would love to see. I'd love to see him bounce up four pounds and, and take on Bam. I think that's a fucking fight. 
Yeah, that would be a good fight, especially if he keeps rebuilding. What about rebuilding Kiko back again till he's about 80 years of age, Matty? I agree with Andy, actually. I thought Abe boxed pretty neatly, didn't he? He did a really professional job on Kiko. I didn't see this fight. I, all I saw was all I saw was the main event because you have to remember that the uh, the uh, Kiko fight would have been on at like three in the morning for me or yeah. something. If you like want that. a copy, let me know. And I'll, I'll need you. I'll need you to run it and wrap it for you, but I can get you a copy. Eh, I, I I've seen enough Kiko Martinez fights to last a lifetime. <laughs> it's a one time offer because I usually delete it after a week. Oh, you're good. I, I bet I I bet that one will be on YouTube. I, I I very. Oh, actually, I can get it on ESPN. Actually, ESPN Plus, uh, yes. where they they had that. They keep all the fights. Uh, I go back and watch the the Joseph Parker uh, Joe Joyce fight every once in a while too, because uh, just watching that tank of a son of a bitch, man, he's he's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim McDonald Boxing 2.0 used to be fun to watch before his channel got iced. He says, Comrade Wellington, when are you next reporting for duty with Captain Ajayo? Uh, Joseph Ajayo, THD, PhD. Yeah, I'll have to give him a shout, actually, after AJ's uh, fantastic win over Jermaine Franklin. See what the good doctor is is thinking about AJ's performance and, and, and check in on him there, I suppose. Um, Matty, on Friday evening, I didn't get a chance to watch this, unfortunately, a uh, busy weekend, but I, I do love a good showbox card. Uh, we had Raul Garcia going in for a draw with Robert Terry. A uh, fight you were definitely interested in. Jahay Brown, 13-0, losing a majority decision to Guido Emmanuel Schramm. A Kermit Bayliss making an appearance as well on this California card. And in the main event, Shenard Bunch, who we like a bunch. He is a good uh, good boxer. I thought he actually beat uh, Boca Chica, I think it was, a while back. Anyway, he went in against unbeaten Brian Flores. Again, good matchmaking. I think Sam- Samson Lukovic had his paws all over this one, Matty. Some really well-matched names on Showbox on Friday evening in the Creek Casino. Yeah, and I, I thought that Flores was a deserving winner in that one, Steve. And, and uh, Shenard Bunch landed an exceptional combination at the end of the first and, and, and just showed that he had the clear gap in power and clearly could seem like he could unleash it at any time um, in, in putting Flores down and then mm. nothing. He, he, and it just, it was, it kind of reminded me a little bit of that sparring partner mentality. Again, this is a guy, I think his record coming in was uh, 21 and one or 21 and one and one, some of that nature. And you wonder, has he spent too much time in the gyms at this point in time is, uh, and is, is, is that taken some of the fire away? Uh, but he, uh, he, he uh, just kind of put in a little bit of a lethargic performance and he paid for it. Um, and, uh, in the, uh, let's see here. What was the fight before that? You said it was Jahai Brown against, uh, Shram. Guido yeah, you, Shram. Yeah. You big this fight up and next morning, my internet went on at about half five, Matty and bing, bing, bing. There was you sliding in saying uh, what a good fight it was. What no better way to wake up. I say. It, this was a really, really entertaining fight, um, and and I thought that Shram probably did just enough to uh, to, to nick it. Um, and funny enough, uh, he is an Argentine, Guido Shram. And in the Nutters chat earlier that day, we were talking about the interesting people who have made Argentina their home, including Italians and Germans. And here you have Guido Shram from Argentina. Only hours later. Um, but and he, Hitler hiding in Argentina chat, I think, was flying back and forward as well. It was yeah. all kicking off. And, uh, <laughs> that and the prediction league and more going on in the boxing letters <laughs> chat every week, Steve. Um, but I'll tell you what I, what I really saw in the main, in the these main two fights on this card is the, the guys 
who uh, who who picked up the uh, victories. Uh, I, I think that they showed themselves to be late stretch uh, fighters. Um, I think uh, that they both are going to prove to be twelve round fighters if they reach that uh, next level. Um, but a- another good showbox card, really, really entertaining stuff uh, to be found uh, in, in this uh, on this Friday night. Uh, enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, and then you know Thursday night you had the uh, the DAZN card. I only caught the main event on there mm-hmm. with an upset on there. Cordova taking uh, a a win over Acosta there. Um, a really funky fight where the referee seemed to be uh, all up against uh, Cordova, but he just kept going. Clearly the smaller fighter. Um, clearly more affected when Acosta threw, but he just didn't throw enough. Just one of those fights where the little guy crowds and works, crowds and works, and uh, and and he goes on uh, moving forward with a couple of uh, a good back-to-back victories here. I think he had that one, and I think he beat Axel Aragon Vega um, either the last fight or a couple of fights before that. So uh, a good little fighter uh, here at 108 pounds here. Um, I, I think there's definitely some limitations to him. Those punches that I saw uh, Acosta land. Uh, we're definitely hurting him, and if there's a rematch, I could definitely favor Acosta and probably by knockout. I don't think he's going to fuck around as much with him, but nonetheless, just a just a goes to show you that um, you, you got to come to fight each and every night because uh, uh, some of these guys uh, they might not look the part as much, but if they want it more, uh, they're going to come away with their hand raised in victory. Yeah, you just got to want it in this game, Andy. One person who wants it and just can't let go. I think he's fighting next weekend, is it, or this weekend? Who knows? Danny Williams, 49 years of age. The last duel of the career, he says, apparently. Jeez. How many times have we heard this? 54 and 32 now against Dominic Musil or Mr. Musley in the CPBU Champions League. We keep hearing it's the last one all the time, Andy, but it never yeah. is. Where's this happen? Czech Republic? Yeah, Czech Republic, yeah. Yeah, seven. Oh man, it's sad. I mean, does he not have? Has he not got a daughter in private education or whatever it is? Well, I don't know. We keep really saying funny. that, but she probably got out of university about ten years ago. Probably. Yeah, she, she's probably she should be a doctor, but she's curing cancer now or something. Like that, you know, amount of time this poor bastard been sent. Brain damage, oh. unfortunately, the way he lasts because this fella needs to pack it up, man. I've had enough now. What's his record these days? 54. That's it there on the screen. Fifty-four 52. and thirty-two. What was his last one? I'm going to pull his record up. Let's see what his last one was. Mm. Let's go real deep dive here. Uh, last one was, it did have a win in 2019 against uh, Mehmed Kralik in Germany. It was a one-round knockout. Um, Han Mills to report there. Um, just looking at his weights and that as well. He's been kind of fighting at 260. Yeah, he's been kind of losing the weight. He's come down to 220 now. He should be fighting at cruiserweight soon, mate. Right. Jesus. Like this bird. I've seen well, it before, Andy. He's but... old and he's losing his bone density. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, he's got a saggy yeah. belly. I've seen it before. Whenever he fought Chisora back in 2008, 2009, maybe something like that, he was coming towards the end then in the Box Nation days. I remember yeah. during the Chisora fight when he got stopped, they were saying, oh, he's promised his wife he's not going to go on for much longer now. He doesn't want to be these people who hangs around too long. That was 14 years ago. I divorced his wife in the middle. <laughs> and if you look at if you look what he's been to since Germany, Sweden, Spain, Finland, Russia, Latvia, possibly Romania, Dubai, Prague, Poland, Czech Republic, gun for hire, but Budapest. Oh, Andy, I thought I'd heard Thomas Musil, uh, sorry, Dominic Musil before. As Tom, Thomas Newman says, Musil lost to Johnny Fisher in his last fight, and now he's fighting Danny Williams in the Czech Republic. Oh, wait a minute, um, this, this is... His opponent's been changed then, mate, because his oh. uh, own box record is, is he's fighting Joseph uh, 
Botak, it's a guy who's one and all, one knockout. Joseph Botox? Yeah. Huh. Wants to take one more O before he retires. <laughs> oh, so, who knows? He shouldn't be fighting anyway. That's that's Ah, exactly, mate. He's fucking washed. We'll go one round, I think, and we'll get knocked out one round. I don't know. That guy's pretty terrible who he's fighting, if indeed it is the opponent. I don't know. Never seen him, to be fair, mate. No. Be better off fighting one of these boys. <laughs> <laughs> God sent that earlier. It's Tim Box AO all over, right. isn't it? Oh, is, mate. Oh, you should see some of the travesties. I need to start doing that. I actually need to start getting some of these pictures. Only the bad ones, only, but some of them are an absolute disgrace to the sport. Like, I mean, honestly, if you've seen it, man, you would just say that the sport needs shut down. Some of them are an absolute disgrace. An absolute disgrace, as Ozzy would say. Yeah, liking the boxer shorts from that guy. Right, we've delayed it long enough. Um, we will return to Shakua hopefully later on, but I'm going to have to get stuck in now. I was going to go to the undercard, but rapping Rob Kelly has jumped on just in time, Rob. Ooh. We haven't talked about Shakua yet. So you're, you're prime real estate tonight. You're right in there. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think he he's living up to the building, isn't he? Like, he's fucking, mm. does everything right, does everything exceptionally well. Like has an array of punches, uh, different combinations, different looks. And I was saying earlier in the group chat, he does this thing like that. Rigo used to do it. Andrew Ward used to do it. Where you see him, he'll just play the shot out before he throws it. <laughs> so he just throw it away. Like I've seen him do it a couple of times last night. Like we just threw the combination like into thin air and then launched the same combination of punches on the target. Like accuracy, showing he has a bit of power at 35. Anyone that opens up against him is going to get punished. It's going to be hard to outbox him. You're going to have to really make it a dogfight. And I think he could probably bring it there as well. Exceptionally strong at 35. And I just don't see any of the other 35-pounders beating him. I think Haney and Garcia will both go to run to 140, um, regardless of the result after the next fights. Um, and then I'd favour him against Lomachenko and Tank um, at this point in time. I think he's fucking unbelievable. So um, I think Garam will probably look for the winner of Lomachenko and Haney for him. But I, I don't think, like, Devin Haney looks like a vampire, man. The two times he had to make weight for Cambosis, I really can't see him being able to make weight again comfortably after Lomachenko, after in another camp. So I think he's he's that big, he'll move up. But um, Shakur Stevenson's supremely confident about the outcome of a potential fight with him and Haney. Like he says, he'd make it look easy and who could doubt him? Like, I know he's not up against much last night. A game opponent came to fight, but just levels below and good for him to get the exclamation point on a two and get the stoppage like another ref jumped in it was a bit of a mercy stoppage but the shots he dropped him with like just just like lovely shots probably still a hard sell to the wider audience of course Stevenson um but in terms of ability and that like he's leading the way like for me Maybe Robbie's going to be like the inverse Floyd, you know, before Floyd was exciting early on against those guys and then he went kind of boring and Shakur's had his kind of doubters. He's he stood off, but now he's standing and throwing the shots. I like you. I agree with you. Just the accuracy and the power last night. We said, would he, would he shoe shine old Yoshino? Yoshino was brave. He was, he was game. He was outgunned, but he was just, he just couldn't do anything with Shakur. I thought his shot selection, we make these Floyd comparisons all the time, but the way he was standing off, leaning back, the moves. I know he's a southpaw, but it just, he, he, he really started to mature. Faye Floyd S to me. I thought he looked fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And then I think as well, the influence of Andrew Ward is obvious as well, the way he measures distance and stuff. You could tell the way that they've been spending a lot of time together and um, training together and that. And Bo Crawford and that. He just has. He kind of has a bit of everything good about everybody. He has good footwork, he has good range, he has good shot selection, seems to have a good chin, good defence, doesn't really get hit too much. 
and seems to be able to do what he wants now that he's grown into kind of a bigger weight. Like I, he's, I, I just want to see him in with everyone now. Like I know he's not the glamour name. He's not. He doesn't really drive. Like you can see this. Um, this Showtime uh, production. What do they call it? All access. It's not twenty four seven, but the. The, the all access like is gathering momentum now between Garcia and Tank and he's not known like that like but for me he's ahead of he's ahead of he's ahead of the pack at thirty five and who knows where the fuck he go like he probably reign long supreme but again it, sometimes these things don't play out we have to see what he's like when he gets hit we have to see what he's like against when he's up against real adversity but who's going to give it to him now like mm-hmm. I've got a name in mind and then everyone in the chat and listening knows exactly who I'm going to say Rob's mentioned him as well but Matty. He seemed to make it known that he wanted to fight Haney. Should Haney get past Lomachenko, which I believe he will. But as Rob mentioned, I don't think it's a ducking situation. Haney looks like a skeleton. It's such a, such a shame because this would be the easiest fight to make, given they're kind of on the same network, same promotional deal, you'd think at the moment. It would be ideal if it was just Haney of a few fights ago, uh, if he beats Loma or the winner against Shakua. But unfortunately, I think Haney's got to move up, man. He, he looks terrible already. He hasn't, had a, he hasn't even had the fight yet. Well, you know, we'll see how he looks uh, in the Lomachenko fight, obviously. If he's having trouble making weight, I mean, that fight turns on a dime right there. I think he's a pretty clear winner if he's healthy. But um, I think, whereas I think, like, Shakur looks perfect at 135 pounds, I think this is, it, physically, it's definitely the best weight class for him that, that I've seen so far. Um, and I know, uh, you know, Bradley was getting ahead of himself saying, oh, I could see him going up to welterweight. I couldn't see that. I, I think 135, one maybe 140. This is where he's going to be prime. This is this is where he needs to set up shop because he, uh, he he looked fantastic, um, and you know, and, and Yoshino, I knew he was going to come to fight, and if he can take it late, a guy like that, you know, he could definitely wear you down. But I mean, he was just uh, getting pasted by those shots from Stevenson. Uh, his accuracy was just off the charts, um, unbelievable, um, and and he did it all all pretty much in the pocket as well. It, it was it was good stuff. As far as the Haney fight, um. You talk about fights that are going to be one at the margin, Steve. I, I really think that's one of them. I, I know Rob's going. He thinks it's 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 bigger win than it is. I would you know think Shakur probably wins, but um, I, I think it's not a pleasing fight on the eye. I can see them just pairing back jabs and just sneaking in a few lead hands here and there off of that. Um, it it could look a whole lot like uh, uh, Klitschko against uh, what was that a Bragamoff. I'm trying to think when they just touch jabs oh, all night long. God, that was one of the worst fights of all time. Yeah, and I, I could just kind of see that one, um, and, and just you know trying those those small moments to pull the trigger, um, and and I think it you know maybe you know for the purists who are just like you know how do you nearly get that points victory when when you're both such exceptional fighters, uh, it could be really prime viewing, but I think it's one of those fights that if you're selling it is like you know a, you know like. A, really entertaining fight for the sport must happen. It's going to backfire because I don't think it's going to deliver in form of entertainment, but I, I would narrowly favor Shakur Stevenson on that one. Um, just based on the fact that it, that I, I think he'll be able to nullify um, Haney's uh, jab with his own lead hand. And uh, from there, he can probably pick spots a bit better. Matty, Michael Thompson says there Haney versus Shakur is the next Spence versus Crawford though. Um, I'm not sure if he's saying that or he's quoting somebody, but I would actually say, no, not quite. If Haney gets past Loma, I'd love to see him fight Shakua. And then surely it's building and then the cross-promotional law comes in to make the comparison to the winner of that fighting the winner of Tank versus Garcia. So say Tank beats Garcia, which I think he will. 
Haney beats Loma and then Shakur beats Haney. Shakur against Tankman. I'll tell you what, that would be absolutely massive. That would be huge. But I wonder if Michael Thompson is saying it's a fight everybody's going to want, but it won't happen. Mm, There's a lot of things you can take from that. Um, but if that's the way things work out, 135, um, I would have no complaints, Steve. There is so much talent at that division right now that you have a guy like a Jermaine Ortiz who is basically gatekeeper status. Um, and what an exceptionally talented fighter he is. Um, so it's just tremendous to think about everything that could happen there. I mean, there's probably 12, 15 fighters that you can make and match them, um, and, and they'd be good fights. And that goes from the top down to the next level guys waiting for their chance. Andy, I, said, uh, I saw it written earlier uh, that Shakua is the favourite versus every 135-pounder in the world and every 140-pound fighter in the world. Not a massive favourite, but there's nobody that this person would back over Shakua at 135 and 140. What do you think about that uh, proclamation? Um, well, I always, obviously when I was watching the fight, he looked, just quickly mentioned it, yeah, I thought he looked amazing. He went through the, the Arsenal pretty quick. Um, the power... I think seems to have carried up. It'll be interesting to see how it does against the, the, the more elite at one thirty five and dare we say one forty going up uh, through the years. Um I think potentially yeah, I think it's gonna be very hard for him to get you know for someone to beat him anyway. Haney, I agree with, about, about the weight situation. The ESPN I'm sure said last night that Haney was gonna be staying at one thirty five because that's where the fights are for him at the minute, which would make sense. You got Davis up there now as well, obviously. Yeah, or, or or could be at one thirty five. You got Garcia kicking about there as well. Lomachenko I, for me, if 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 Loma hasn't got the footwork anymore and he cannot get past Haney's reach, he's in for a long night. Um, and providing that Haney makes a weight properly, I would probably start with Haney as slight favourite in that fight. So say Haney beats Loma, it's coming down to again. Hopefully that fight does happen. We would want to see it, but uh, Haney against against uh, Stevenson would obviously be the next logical fight to make. Again, it's the weight situation. Can Haney make it safely enough? But if, if he is a corpse and he's just sticking to the kind of jab right hand, I think Stevenson would probably get to him late. I think Stevenson would basically put the gas down a little bit and maybe get to him late. I, I fear I fear that um Shakur is gonna be victim of the same kind of thing that Bug Crawford was a victim of where he's gonna be in the Who Wants Him Club like because like, Garcia Tank uh, all bigger draws Tiafimo in his own head is a bigger draw. Yeah, like, money, yeah. they, they don't the they're not yeah, they're not gonna wanna fucking like what's the what's the and he's not a big draw himself, Shakur yet, like so I have a fear. Like it just you know what boxing anyway, like you get fucking you get your hopes up like a couple of years. It's taken a couple nearly three years to make the Garcia and Tank fight at the same time. Like it's glad that it's happening, like, but it's you know, you never fucking know with these things, like which way they're gonna go. You look at the UFC, your man fucking style benders after fighting the guy Pereira fucking twice what before, before our Spence and Bud even gets made. Do you know what I mean? They can't even get to fucking negotiations. These two are just made fight each other again, like the rematches happened. It's you know, you can see why boxing lose, is losing fans at this time. If Shakur don't get matched with everybody good at 35, like, which I don't think he will. I think that people will be running fucking north and away from this guy because he's not bringing the kind of money to the table compared to what you have to do to try and win against him. Like, I think, Andy, one thing that I would love to see, one fight, is definitely Tank against Shakur. Everybody knows that I'm yeah, a Tank fanboy. And I, I, I would fave. The shit talking would be good too. But also... The thing is, Shakur is such a master... He's really matured into a master boxer who can punch. Yeah. 
there's a chance he could box rings around anyone, including Tank. But the thing is, Tank is actually, he's not just a one-dimensional banger. He can close distance. He's a good boxer. He's got good range. And when he gets into range, he explodes. And it's more often than not, I know the Isak Cruz fight was an exception, but more often than not, he finds you at some point. Yeah. And what would happen? I'm asking the question. I'm not projecting. But with mm-hmm. his power, his worldly power, when he f- catches Shakua, I would be really fascinated to see what happens because that would be the difference for me. He would close the gap at some point, and when he catches him with a shot, given how hard he, he hits, that would be that would be really interesting to see at that point. Definitely, I think the other thing as well is obviously I mean, Shakur's had these kind of like his, his fights in the past where they've been pretty boring to watch, like the Nakathila fight. Um, it's just been like he's, he's starting to kind of grow on his own. He's become a man as such. You know, you can see him physically filling out. Um, I would expect him to kind of remain at 135 for the next few years. Um, and I agree with you, it's, it's a fight that, if, it's, again, you just want to see Shakur tested as he goes up, as he keeps going up, but I think that is, that is a mouth-watering fight. How it goes, I don't know, actually. I, I do think Davis could get to him, we could maybe touch him, drop him, possibly. Um, I, but I, I think, think it's also interesting. The skills, skills early doors with Stevenson. I think he switches on after two or three rounds. He's kind of looked at it a little bit and then he starts piling up the points, starts letting the hands go. The, the hand speed is frightening, but the fact that he's getting power behind the shots now as well, and he's, he's sitting on the shots a little bit more than that, it's, it's going to be better, I think, for the future. But against the elite guys, it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to revert back to what he did at maybe 130, box and move a little bit and that mm-hmm. as well, just use his superior hand speed and just use, use his legs. It'd be interesting in that fight to see what both of them are like if they get hit. Because I have a feeling, I don't know, I'm not going to say there's a jack in tank, but I just want to see what he's like when he's under like extreme duress. That's why I think Garcia is a live dog in the fight. I think he's going to find him at some stage. They're going to find out something about tank in that fight. But I could just see Shakur catching him that often that he actually freaking makes him really want to give up. You know, that way I just, I could, mm. that's the way I see the fight playing that he just freaking completely toys with him from a. Boxing IQ standpoint from just angles giving him, I think I think he'd give him hell. Like, but again, Tank, Tank is, is all alive. about ego. You're you're yeah. right. If he, if he finds way, like no, Rob, you like if he finds way into his head like that, it's 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 a different story. If if Hank, Tank has no confidence, he can't fight. Um, so that's that. Is that what you're kind of like at? He's you think like he can take his confidence basically. I think he could just. I think it, yeah, but not just psychologically. Like in the in the build up, I think that he could just take it out of him in the ring. Like I think he's that good. That that good that he could outbox Tank, and as well as that frustrate him, uh, make him miss and make him pay as well. So I'd I'd be interested to see what Tank is like under that. Of course, obviously he's always a light dog with his punch and that. Like so, it'd be, it'd be one of the most intriguing fights to make again. Like probably not bringing the the same kind of gate. As the Garcia one, but fuck me, what a fight that'd be! Like if, but that's again, like you could see Garcia, or you could see Tank if he wins this fight, move up to one forty, beat up and Mario Barrio, fucking Super Mario brother or whoever. The <laughs> fuck. Like, Tank's resume hasn't been the best, like you know what I mean. Like that's why I'm saying as well about I, Garcia being a being a live dog, and he hasn't really, but he's had a look since he's won the world title against Pedraza. Tank has had the majority of it his own way when it comes to matchmaking. You well, have to say. Like, well, and I think kind of like it, the way why I'm interested in watching the Garcia fight is I think that Garcia has enough of a boxing IQ. Like, I, I think really I'm, I'm thinking of this like in kind of terms of chess that I think that Garcia has a chance if, if Tank doesn't have enough ring IQ that he can play out one move ahead, basically take that thing that Raleigh, Raleigh kind of had going, but he had nothing to back it up and he can put something behind it, you know, basically. Well, the thing is, go ahead. 
I agree. No, I agree with you because what I'm saying about Garcia is, and I'm going to get boxer size Benny on you now. I don't say this in the group chat, but like, yeah. the, um, as, as much as everybody talks about Garcia hanging his chin out to dry, which he does, which has been proven in the past where he's moved up the levels. Tank Davis not that hard to find either. Like he's, you know, he hasn't he hasn't fought as many legal punchers as as you would think on his resume. Uh, Isaac Cruz was able to hit him, and Garcia's power is real, and Tank leaves his fucking head on the line. Sometimes, like, and I like you're gonna. I think, I think Garcia, like you're saying, I think Garcia is smart enough to set up a shot where he's gonna catch Tank at some stage in the first, like, and you know, Tank doesn't get going till the, the last third of the fight in a lot of cases, like, so or the second third at least, like, so there's gonna be a period there where we can catch him cold for sure. Definitely a live dog, like, well, I, I think, think the, sorry, what's he going? The over under is like seven and a half on, on uh, Tank and uh, Garcia, and in that, that kind of plays into what you're saying there, and it's if, if. Tank gets through that. I think it's going to be the idea that he's a better chess player, that he's going to be like, all right, Garcia thinks he's one move ahead of me. I'm going to be one move ahead of him. Yeah, he might do that fall short jab and and think he's going to catch me reaching, but I'm not going to reach all the way. And when he does, I'm going to grab him, you know, just that one move ahead. You go into a Shakur Shakur Stevenson fight, that's a different level of IQ. At that point in time, you're asking, can uh tank play three moves ahead and i don't know if he has that but garcia is going to be telling this fight's going to be very telling for his ring iq tank's not a deep thinker i heard that said by someone matty he's not a deep thinker he's as thick as a dungeon door you know man sometimes people say that shit because like people are street (laughs) and shit like that and and but just because someone might not be book smart doesn't mean that they can't be cerebral you know, it's not like when Pernell Whitaker talked that anybody thought that this guy was eligible for Mensa, right? You know, <laughs> Terrence, Terrence Crawford was shot during a dice game. Tremendously intelligent, cerebral fighter, you know. And and honestly, I think Bud actually is probably pretty smart. The fact that he doesn't open his mouth much, I think that shows he's very intelligent. I run my mouth a lot. I'm stupid as fuck. You know, it all plays out. Um, yeah. But it, um, and, but I, I think that's... <laughs> But I, I think it's 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 all it's all a matter of that and and I'm really interested because there's that's what I love about this division right now, Steve. Is there's all these fighters have something about them where if you play them off of each other, you could say I could see this guy beating this guy, and I think where it's going to be separated at is going to be the IQ of the fighters and the IQs of the the corners, and and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in the next eighteen twenty four months. Just before we go on to the undercard, uh, Rob, just circling back to Shakur and something you mentioned there as well regarding him getting into Tank's head. I think there is actually precedent for that because Tank sometimes he would wander mentally in fights like he's looking out into the crowd, he's looking for Floyd, he's looking for his mom. I mean, obviously he gets the job done eventually, but even against Santa Cruz, I think it was, he was complaining at times, looking to the ref, as you say, kind of hometown advantage. Raleigh was winding him up, he was getting angry. He does get annoyed and he turns to the ref and he, and, you know, if you could take that to that next level and someone constantly outboxing him I'm not going to say he's going to do a no mass but if he's five or six rounds down and he's starting to yeah i could see it just to see how he'd react in that situation like if shakur was like holding him in the clinch going that was shit man when you're yeah this yeah. is put shit in the toothbrush remember that time she put just shit on the toothbrush <laughs> you know what i mean shit yeah. like that too but yeah no you could see it happening like what yeah, well, i don't think we'll see it i just don't think we'll see it i think boxes will disappoint us again i don't think we we'll see that fight like there we are. Uh, Rob, 
getting us all hopeful on this Sunday evening. Ellerby favours him in the Garcia fight and all or whoever's involved with him in the fight by fight. They all favour him in the Garcia fight. There's no way they'd put him in with Shakur Stevenson. Fucking no way. I'd love to see it. Hopefully it'll happen one day, but as Rob says, it probably won't. One thing that did happen, Matty, on the undercard, undercard rather, Keyshawn Davis against Anthony Yijit. Yijit's a bit shit, isn't he? Let's be honest. I mean, he's okay to a certain level, but he's more awkward. He doesn't really land many shots. He's not a big puncher. I thought he would have enough about him to go the distance. I know he got punched upside down by Rolly, but Rolly, for all of his faults, can dig, and he is quite unorthodox himself. The Baranchik fight, I thought it was a bit of a freak injury. You know, he'd got beaten up and the, the eye got cut, I think, or closed or something. So I thought, anyway, Yijit against this inexperienced version of Davis would be able to go the 10 rounds. I was wrong. Didn't get any points for that on the Prediction League. Keyshawn looked good, actually. He looked vicious. He, he planted his feet, Matty. I like what I saw from him. Yeah, he he goes in with a real with real spite, Steve. And uh, I, I think he's at the right gym. Uh, you know, being with uh, with Bo Mack uh, is, is the right play for him. Uh, he had some just true spite on a lot of his shots in there. He was playing around with the... At times, and I thought he might have let it go a little bit longer than he needed to. Um, but nonetheless, uh, th- th- again, 135 pounds this is a great fighter. And I got the hiccups at a great time here. This is a great fighter. Um, it just needs a little bit of extra seasoning. You get for all of his faults. You're talking about uh, a two le- a two fight, uh, two loss guy with about 30 professional fights under his belt has had a good level of competition. Um, so they're moving along Davis quickly. I would like to see him in some sort of an eliminator before the end of the year. The, he's one of those fighters where you can get him into a title fight um, at, at 12 fights in, and he's not going to struggle. Um, he, he's uh, He's got to tighten up his defense just a little bit, but he is a, a tremendously smart offensive fighter, uh, knows how to work fighters both directions, has shots uh, and traps that he can play you into on both sides. Um, there's really no escape for a guy like Keyshawn Davis. If you're going to beat him, uh, you're going to have to give him a reason uh, to not uh, want to walk you down. Uh, so it's going to take a, a real tough son of a bitch. We'll see that. Chi- uh, we'll see that tin, uh, chin tested uh, before you know it. Um, and that could be, you know, the missing ingredient that uh, that might not be there um, when it all comes down to it. But until that point, uh, Davis looks the goods. This is definitely a blue chipper. Yeah, Michael Thompson, you get fights like someone who has power, he does, but he just he can't crack an egg, unfortunately. Uh, for only his eighth fight, Andy, uh, his nickname's The Businessman, Keyshawn Davis. I think this was nice business. They knew Yigit hadn't really got the power, but he had the gravitas, the name and the record to add uh, that little notch on uh, Keyshawn Davis's record. I think it was smart, clever matchmaking, and the fact that he knocked him out as well did his uh, chances no harm at all, and nice fight. Yeah, I've liked Davis actually. To be fair, he, he kind of like really, really enhanced it again there last night. He, he kind of he tops like kind of Philly Philly shell in that as well for time to time. Probably the only thing, maybe he's just kind of obviously he's had quite a few knockouts at this point. But I just want to see him kind of like you know ice people kind of early doors and that. But he's up in it as well. He, that was a ten rounder as well. So they imagine him move up, move up to twelve rounders. Uh, I know there was a couple of belts in the line, so maybe we'll get. Bob's not going to move him into a 10, 12 rounder till nah, title suppose, fight. Come I on, suppose, I suppose I. Maybe got a 10 round eliminator at some point as well. You never know. But yeah, I, I really liked him. Actually, again, I was watching it in four speed, mate. So I needed like uh, amphetamines to actually keep up with what was actually happening here, to be fair. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, Yigit was just taking a bit of a beating at the end, anyway, wasn't he? And uh, I'll just jump on briefly to Jared Anderson. Actually, again, yeah, we said uh, this last week, Andy, about his opponent. You pulled up the fact, didn't you, that his opponent was a lot smaller. My God, it just looked terrible uh, on the opt- <laughs> on the eyes there. Told you, man. And. Uh, Undefeated or no, the guy, 
he didn't really have a lot for him, did he? To be honest. So I'll just say this: look, Anderson is a contender, but we need now. He, he need, he's, he's beyond that stage now, mate. He needs to. He needs to up it. He needs to be on the top twenty-five range of fighters' opponents now. The guy seems to have. He seems to have speed. He seems to have a bit of ability about him. Certainly got the power. Got a bit of charisma about him in that as well. So he should be an easy enough sell. But Matty was saying there as well, Bob's not going to want to rush it along a little bit as well at this point. But again, what are you going to feed him on at this point? I mean, what he's doing at the minute, great, fantastic. But what are you going to do? Are you going to keep putting him on 10 renders against like, Jerry Forrest, uh, sorry, Jerry Forrest and the kind of George Ariases of this world? It's crap. I mean, he's, he's far better than that. I, I don't know who would you, who would you jump in at this point in time, but... I wouldn't be trying to make him Pittman with like to uh Well isn't top rank in kind of a weird place where they have a lot of these heavyweights where they, they, they might be ready for the next step up, but you gotta sacrifice one for the other and, and it just keeps, seems like they're kinda hesitant to pull the trigger on any of them right now. He's fought such guys with Andy with such good records, but it was so shit. Like if you look at his record, he's he's beaten Vladimir Tereshkin twenty two and oh. Alexander Tezlenko, 17 and 1. Miljan Rovchanin, 24 and 2. George yeah. Arias, 18 and 0. It sounds really impressive, but they have not picked them out, haven't they? Yeah, I think that Tezlenko. Quit dissing this fight, up. Andy. Somebody's O had to go. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But in the day, I think that Tezlenko had been an ex titleist of some sort in that as well. Look, again, as Steve says, look, the, the records do look a bit kind of jazzed up a wee bit there, and that. A, a Don King special. But. Again, he just needs to step up in class. Who I don't know. And again, I would like I would put him like some I don't know, like maybe a Jagba at this point. But but that's a top ranked fighter. That's isn't a it? good fight. That's a good so fight. Actually, put him in there. You know, Bob's got connections with Frank Joseph Parker fight. I know he's looking for one at the minute. Who's he? Well, and if Anderson if Anderson can take out a Jagba, that's a statement. I mean, because didn't he went the uh, the distance with uh, Sanchez, didn't he? I, I mean, yeah, I, he well, I, I don't think I don't think they're looking at that, Andy. He's twenty three, big baby in every sense, fourteen and oh. I honestly think they're looking at these kind of Arias fights and Tezlenko fights for the next five or six. I can't see him being stepped up at all. I don't think they're looking at that. You think? Because honestly, I, think I don't. Easy, honestly, well, I don't. I think they're I waiting for the title to split and become vacant. Well, this is this is what I'm thinking then, because obviously I'm just looking at the rankings. I know he's actually ranked in the top fifteen. Yeah, I'm trying to see if he's ranked any higher actually than that. There you go, number nine with the WBO. So, look, you're probably right there, but sometimes he's going to have to step up between someone with these top ten. He's going to have to fight an eliminator against someone to get in at that mandatory position. So, mm. you got Frank. Well, obviously, you, you try to think in, you know, internally, i.e., in, inside the promotion. There's no money there actually. Joseph Parker, as I mentioned, possibly a Jaguar. If he's going to go down the BC route, then you have to bring in the likes of maybe the Brits or. The Australian guy, maybe even the Canadian, you know, the, the Russian based out of Canada. Might move off. It's a shame they can't get Gerald Miller against uh Jared Anderson, big baby against the real big baby. Mean, That'd my, be funny my, as fuck. Jarell <laughs> Miller, Miller broke the top ten this month of the WBA. Oh, I thought you were talking in fattest people in America. Mm, it's going to be a Simon Keane or a Dempsey McKean. Honestly, I'm not saying I agree with this stance, but I just don't believe they are looking to push him towards anybody decent. I'd be surprised. It would, it would make sense, mate, especially in, in terms of like, so you're talking about the big, the belts getting fragmented, which is a good chance of happening. But he's going to have to have a couple of decent tests, or at least at least one legit test before he's up to the kind of title level, at least. Yeah. Um, whether oh, these same guys are still, still going to be ranked in the next couple of years, that's another matter. But 
certainly needs to certainly needs to be above the RS class now, mate. It certainly should be because uh, unless it's, we, we can feed into guys like guys like that for the next five six fights, and hopefully it's just going to be enough to kind of get more more ranking points, get them up the ranking. They're happy with the shtick, you know. They have a good crowd. They bring him out there. He gets a knockout. He's sort of maturing. I think they're happy with where he's at. I'm only speaking from what yeah. I think they're thinking. I just, I just think when you get a fighter ranked in the top ten, the anybody, yeah. I just think yeah, you, you, I agree with that. The targets on your back at this point, and you need to start making moves, and you need to start fighting these guys in the top ten because we've never, I've not seen him anyway have any any hard test or having to come through a rough time. See, he does have a mandatory against, like, say, he gets called against a Frank Sanchez or maybe even a Dante Wilder, for example. Fuck me, you think he's ready for likes of that? Who nah, knows? They'll just pull him out. If that Bob, Bob's got a plan, I think. Yeah, they say Martin Bacoli is a good fight for Anderson. Mm, possibly. Yeah, Chris Ariola. I could see somebody like that. Honestly, I can. I, I, I really, Not really if he think. came back on a, on a PBC. Well, no, yeah, because he's PBC. A Chris Ariola type opponent, I think, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask Rob a question, but he's buggered off. I'll ask it to you, Matty, quickly before we move on then. Jared Anderson, 23 years of age, 14 and 0, 14 knockouts. Keyshawn Davis, 24 years of age, 8 and 0, 6 knockouts. Who's kind of impressing you more at the moment? Who do you think's got more longevity in their career at the moment from what you've seen? Matty? Oh, um, based on the level of competition in their respective divisions right now, Steve, I would venture to say that Jared Anderson will be one of the recipients of, uh, of good, of good things when the titles fragment. Um, and I just, I think Keyshawn Davis, man, he's going to have to go in against a real fucking killer in order to, uh, to get his, uh, his place on top of the mountain. So I, I just think if you're talking like next, you know, two year kind of timeline, I just think the path is easier for, uh, for Jared Anderson. Mm-hmm. Mr. Dermo saying Johnny Rice. Yeah, absolutely. Carlos Takam says F2. I could see somebody like that as well. I could see them getting Guido Vinalello a couple of wins and then putting him against Anderson, <laughs> just constantly building that he record. Shit, mate. I know, I know, but then they could say, oh, he's 10 and 1 or whatever, and he's not. Bring in the um, Georgian, mate. What do you call him? Cladzy. At least we can. Uh, at least he can not do well. Oh yeah, he hasn't fought him yet, has he? Everybody <laughs> fights him. <laughs> that crazy, that, and that crazy fuck will at least try, man. He's out that's of true. He'll at least come to win. Uh, that's a good. That's uh, a good one, actually. Put the foil away, well. says Mark Stanton. Absolutely, hundred percent right. Uh, Roberto, Gazi uh, needs a fight. Gazi, yeah. oh, no. with a pulse for a change. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't think they'll bring him over, unfortunately, but you never know. Uh, Rob, Jared Anderson or Keyshawn Davis? Who's uh, who's getting you going out them two? Yeah, I like I like um, Keyshawn Davis. He's slightly slow, I think, and loads up a little bit early, but throwing punches with bad intentions. And before I saw him, um, a bit of him, I kind of thought Bo Mack was one of these trainers that's just inherited a guy with exceptional talent. And I think a bit of that's true, but as well as that, there's there's kind of obviously an offensive style that he's teaching because. And I don't know if it's from training with Bud himself or Bo Mac, but whatever about being in that, in that camp, as Maddie said, it's working for him. His shot selection, the way he cuts the distance is very like Crawford. The way he finishes is very like Crawford. He's got, he goes to the body a lot like Crawford. So a lot of similarities. Um, still has has a bit of hair like Crawford had when he was at 35, to be honest with you. Um, he's a lot, he's very similar. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is he's very similar to Bo Crawford. Um, we're showing, showing signs of that, certainly at this stage. Moving him along nicely, accelerating him. Like obviously, he has exceptional talent. Um, 
has a bit of dig about him and is in the right division for big fights. Like if he continues on the trajectory he's on, like you might see him in bigger fights sooner than later. But again, he's going to be in the Who Wants Him club, like isn't he? He's fucking who's going to want to fight him, like. Um. So again, like loads to find out about him. We have to see what he's like when he's tested. We have to see what he's like when he's hit. We have to see what he's like when he's up against different styles. But the the signs are definitely positive. And uh, the other guy I haven't watched that much of, to be honest with you. So can't really give an educated judge on it. But I had Keyshawn for the stoppage. Uh, and who else? I think I had the other guy for a points win over Kiko. So um, running away with the Nutters, knocking out all bums in the Nutters messenger group. Uh, and 12 points clear, I think I am, am I? 12 points. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have a look at the table. I'm only looking at the bottom. <laughs> uh, Matty, anything else from the undercard quickly before we move on, please? That, that you caught ESPN? I did not catch anything else on that undercard. Fantastic. That's nice and easy. We shall shift on then. Quick talking point before we look at the action for next weekend and also go to the Bellu of the Weeks. Um, I'll bring you on this talking point, Andy. We're going to play a little video for you, first of all. Then you can let me know what you think about a little story that broke this week, unfortunately. It's not Connor Clem this time, but the guard had his say anyway on the Amir Khan situation. Um, about incidental uh, contact with, with another person. Did you see that, Gareth? Yeah, but I don't, I'm not buying that. Uh, I don't buy that. You can't shake someone's hand and then have um, PEDs in your system. I don't get it. So what do you do? Do you lick your fingers afterwards or something? I don't, I don't really... God licking fingers there, Andy. It's Amir Khan, of course, man. I thought better of Amir. I don't know. I just felt like he was one of the, the clean ones. Any, any insight, any opinion on what's happened this week? Um, to be honest, but I, I found that a bit strange. Actually, it's taken what is it, fifteen months, whatever it is, for it to come uh-huh. out. Um, it's a strange one, and uh, to believe it or not, actually, see after the the Conor Ben situation broke regards to like say, but what was Can claiming that it was contact? He came into contact with someone that had been using this drug or something. Is that right? You saying? Steve dropped away there. I don't know. To be honest with you, I think. Um, He's, he's obviously taking something, uh, to be fair. You know, you, you never hear for a guy that's actually admitting that he's taken it before. Um, but there is there is something going to boot, actually, and it has been tested. I don't know if it, if it is possible that if someone touches you with, like, a cream, for example, and it rubs into your skin, it, it can then get into your system and you can pop positive. Apparently, I need to, I need to go and find it. There was, there was something... There was some article that had been issued, and that's it. Was like you know, this is how the testing you know sometimes can be so sensitive that it can pick up something like that. I'm thinking about these poor bastards having to now go having to go about with fucking marigold gloves on all the time, and that just so the day you touch something or fucking face masks on. Um, to be fair, I would, I would be mere raging if 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 Cam was an active fighter. I forget what it was it he got tested for again, but I think it was another a kind of booster possibly. Yeah, maybe help him you know, maybe cut the weight and then they try and obviously kind of like maintain a bit of, a bit of power. I'm not too sure, but as I say, it's, it's taken a fair bit of time to come through. I haven't really followed it, obviously, because obviously the news broke this week. I've been kind of busy this week in that as well, to be fair. So uh, I'm not too up to speed with it. I dare say others will be, but again, just taking too long for it to come through. Um, I don't know if there will be any other repercussions for Can. Obviously, he's been banned, whatever it is, two years. So I don't know what's going to happen off the back end. I don't know if he got sued or anything like that. Um, well, I remember what happened with Felix Sturm. He got sued, or he ended up doing time, sorry, for uh, for his PED failure. So uh, I think probably need to start happening in this country, actually, or or, 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 or other countries. 
his combat fighters that test positive for fucking drugs and that man should be getting a mandatory sentence of some sort of like six months. You know, fuck this push, man. I'll I tell you what, Nick. Just getting people in line a little bit here. Tank Tank versus Garcia and the hope of Bud versus Spence. The faint hope of Bud versus Spence is the only thing keeping me interested. Amir Khan, like, you know, I've been a massive Amir Khan fan over the years, man. Fuck me. It ever in a bad fight, fight anybody, pretty much. Toddy Duckbrook or whatever. But other than that, like, a fucking thoroughly entertaining career. But, like, when you look at it now, like, he sounds guilty as fuck, man. Like, it's just, I'm not trying to be fucking Peter Hyatt here, like, or whatever, but he just sounds guilty. Like, he says, I don't want people to think that I cheated. Well, what the fuck do you think they're going to do? Like, you fucking had Osterine in your system, and if, if if these fellas know that stuff can get into their system, it's going to pop up, pop them as banned, and they should be taking better care. Every British fighter, it's all like, oh, I'd never cheat. Keep a stiff upper lip. I fucking shook hands with somebody, old chum. You know, nobody owns up to a fucking... The only person in the sport, as I said, who's come out as guilty is Big Baby Miller. Hold on, the fucking takeaway man's here. Bosh, I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> the takeaway man's conflict, me. Wonder what he's bringing. I, I need to find that article, Steve. There was I was saying there. I, I think you just popped me briefly. There, there, was, there yeah. was something. What was it that that Khan's excuse was for popping positive? He said that he shook someone's hand, didn't he, right. or something? There, as I say, there has been something. I need to find the article, but there's been some. There's some allegations about the about drug testings can be so sensitive that it can be like somebody's got maybe had a steroid cream, for example, like like a corticosteroid. If you know you've rubbed it into your skin for something and it's, it's somehow popped positive. Apparently that can happen, but God knows what or where part of the body if that happens. I mean, I would need to get in the blood stream somehow. I don't think shaking someone's hand unless you've got a cut somehow would actually constitute that day, to be fair. But Sounds I need like to dig it up because it was interesting shit. Pharmacist. I suppose, you know, rub it over the helmet a wee bit. But as I say, there was, there was definitely something I need to go try and dig it out because it was, you know, I think it would be quite interesting if that's his excuse. Like. Any opinions, Matty, before we move on? Yeah, worst drugs cheat ever. He took a fucking beating. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Who's supplying this shit, man? <laughs> I don't know. If I could, at the very least, he's got some court evidence that <laughs> he should get his money back. Yeah. <laughs> Hope he kept the receipt all down here. Uh, getting busted there. Does, does anyone think, like, as well, like, Amir, like, when you look back at it now, he's probably one you didn't suspect, but when you look back at it, like, he fucking... Knocked, knocked like over like a skittle by fucking uh, Breedus Prescott, then uh, goes away to fucking work, work with Freddie Roach and Alex Ariza. Alex Ariza and all yeah. of a sudden, he's standing up to Marcus Maidana in the fucking 12th. Like you know what I mean? Like, come on, like, he's on the boss shakes. Right. Come on, they're all on it. Like it's just if we go back Strong to this. Legs. When WBC first came out with the clean boxing program, and you look down the list and you see who wasn't voluntarily enrolled, Lomachenko, who's come out of an Eastern European amateur program, Earl Spence, who has fucking bigger boobs than Linda Lusadi, fucking Anthony Joshua, we have our own questions over that one. Like, look at the ones who weren't enrolled, Connor Ben, fucking hell, like it's it's just, they're all on it. Like it's fucking they, at least like be more like the UFC and just fucking. Give them a bit of leeway, tell them what they can take, and let them all fucking beat the shit out of I each other because that's I where say, it's going anyway. I said that again during the week there. I think uh, it just shows again at an elite level if you've got access to the cash, you've got, you know, you'd be stupid not to cheat. And I just, I just want to lay us on the line. We're talking like how good Shakur Stevenson can be, right? Who was he repping there last night with his fucking hat? Snack. Yeah. Who's in charge of Snack? One Victor Conte. Mm. So. Jared Let's Anderson see. had snack on the shorts as well. There you go, mate. There you go. And he's looking great for a heavyweight as well, isn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, look, it's um, it's no drug test. It's IQ test, as Uncle Victor would say. 
Uh, and he's been taking edity task as well this week, or, or tail end the last week, whenever it was. Did we interview Victor? I thought we interviewed somebody uh. about drug testing, and I can't remember who Gabriel it was. Montoya. Thank you. Gabe Montoya. Yeah. Yeah, Victor never come on. Montoya was on at some point, though, definitely. But, um, Connie was on Joe Rogan way back in the very early days of Rogan, like. Aye. Uh. I, I don't know if I gave you the link, Andy. I know I, I think I posted it for the Nutters, but uh, uh, Hamilton Morris, uh, if you, anybody listens to his podcast, he usually does the stuff about, you know, clandestine, like, you know, uh, drug, uh, you know, uh, creation, you know, like uh, psychedelics in people's garages and shit like that. He, he has a show on Vice and, he, and you know, and he studies, you know, toads you can lick and get high and stuff like that. But he interviewed, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but he was basically the chemist behind all the shit that Victor Conte was distributing to people. About uh, cool ups. Yeah. And this, and this guy was absolutely brilliant, but he was, he was just, it was just a discussion about, uh, you know, uh, about drugs and testosterone and, and maximizing the human body and, and how all the testing and shit works. And it was a really fascinating interview, definitely done from a more scientific mindset. But if anybody has interest in that, um, check out uh, Hamilton Morris's uh, podcast. Uh, I think it there was, was an old, recent episode. There was an old Russian working for Conte as well he, on, on the on the track and that. So he used to train the fighters with a strength and condition. I think his name is Remy Korchermi. Uh, did the Soviet Union team win many golds? God knows what fuck. As Rob mentioned about the Eastern countries, like God knows what the fuck else the Soviets were up to back in that time as well, man. The shit that they would know, their knowledge, and you you you, you combine with Victor's knowledge with the with actual drugs itself, it's fucking insane. Like you, you never want to go down the road of like you never you never want to go down the road of pointing the finger at guys who haven't been popped. Like, but sometimes it's just so fucking obvious in front of your eyes, like. I said it before, like, I don't think Usyk wanted that fight, fight with Fury in December because I think he was cycling off, like, he's fucking, look at the size of him, like, for a cruiserweight, look at the physique of him and all now, like, it's impo- It's only, you can only do so much naturally, like, and these guys are, like, like, superhuman athletes or whatever, and, like, the kind of thing, everyone has an excuse, man, everyone has an excuse, Fury had the bull, Billy Joe Saunders had the nasal spray, Fucking uh, Connor Bain had the eggs and the fucking whatever his two hundred and seventy page dossier. I'm gonna cancel cans with someone. Give us a fucking break. Nobody's guilty. Like nobody's fucking guilty. Everybody, and it's worth noting as well that UCAD didn't accept Amir's um, explanation that it came from supplements either. So there's that. Like you know, yeah. and he's banned retrospectively or whatever. But like fucking hell, like it's just thinking. And I, He's got about eight months left in his band because he's getting well, hit respectively. Well, it's well, funny no. seeing them all coming out, like pointing the finger at each other. I'd like to see Simon Jordan, I said on Twitter, I'd like to see Simon Jordan there try and use his his uh, forum and get them all, because Frank Warren is pointing the finger, Ben Shalom is pointing the finger at Horn, Horn's pointing the finger back at Shalom. Get them all then to say, right, we won't we won't have anybody on our books that's a drug cheat. Strict liability. Well, Will any of them do that? Absolutely fucking not. Well, and here's the thing about it, Rob, though, is if everybody's cheating, then nobody's cheating. It's 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 all just it's all just at the margins stuff at the end of the day, and and I think they need to. I and I've advocated for this before. They really need to have some scientific set saying this is as high as these levels are can be acceptably, and whatever the fuck you do, if you want to maximize yourself to get there, Christ be with you. Go on your way, and that should be the only barometer that we use, not substances found or anything like that. It should be specific levels. That they're looking for. Period. The end. Mm-hmm. Well said, Matt. Christ be with you on this Easter weekend. What have happened to Robert Easter? Do you remember him? Oh, he was shit, mate. 
Didn't mm-hmm. he get shot? Yeah, that's right. He's just got broken in the member. He got shot in the knee. One mm-hmm. of AB's powers, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Toledo, Ohio. That's a motherfucker of a place, I'm telling you. Lovely. Maybe we'll go there one day. Maybe we won't. Let's have a look at the action for next Steve, weekend. Steve, if you find yourself going to, <laughs> to Toledo, you'll have to ask yourself where you fucked up in life. <laughs> I'm from Wolverhampton. Matty, the only way is up, baby. Uh, let's get on to the action for next weekend. Just quickly touching upon this Friday, the 14th of April card. Archie Sharp was talking about fighting Shakur Stevenson at one point in his career. Things have gone downhill since then. He's still unbeaten, 22-0, and going in against an Argentine next weekend. Uh, Danny Dignam, who got battered by uh, Mr. Alim Halalala, is on the undercard as well. So Jordan Reynolds, whose career's hit the skids a little bit. I expected better from him. Let's get on to the big event, though. It's not pay-per-view. It's the Copper Box Arena. Sonny Ali's on the undercard. So is Moses Itorma against a pretty uh, tough opponent, actually. Uh, Ethan James. Michaela Mayer's turning up against Christi- Christina Linadatu. Sam Noakes going in against Karthik Sathish Kumar. Hopefully, he's as much fun as the Indian guy who fought against Jose Zapeda recently. Uh, Denzel Bentley as well, 12-rounder for the British middleweight title against Kieran Smith. And Joe Joyce in the main event, Andy, against Gilet Big Bang Zhang. I don't mind the big guy, to be honest. For a big lump, he can actually put his shots together pretty well. I know he had the renal failure in the past, but I thought he did well against Hergovic. Did enough to win that fight. It didn't quite work out for him. Could you imagine? If Big Bang did the job this weekend, they got rid of Joe Joyce, then everyone in the heavyweight division would be like, brilliant, we have an excuse now. We never have to fight Joe Joyce. Isn't that just (laughs) going to be karma this Saturday evening? (laughs) Oh, Danny, mate, don't do this. Oh, fuck's sake. I never even thought about that. I automatically assumed that (laughs) Joyce would win this fight, eh, without doubt. Um, It's going to be interesting, actually, obviously, because the one thing about Joyce, he he doesn't want to be taking heavy shots, or not even too many of them anyway. but yeah, I, I think in the end uh, he'll, he'll get to the guy. I just think his work rate will be too much for for Zhang. Um, I think he's had a, dec- a decent camp, Zhang. To be fair, he's been here, you know, fairly early in that as well. So he's acclimated as well. So I could pick a decent fight. Actually, I think it'll go rounds. But I think once we get to the ninth or the tenth, fuck, my wife's going daft the phone here, man. Ninth uh, or the tenth round, um, I think Joyce might start kind of breaking him down, possibly force a stoppage late. Um, I don't think it'll be a knockout. I think it'll be a, a referee stepping in because of punishment. Yeah, I think early on, as you say, Andy, I think Zhang will let the shots go. He might have a bit of success. He might even buzz Joyce. I, I haven't got anything to base that. But for, considering he's a big guy, eye to eye, they're both six foot six. He can definitely punch a little bit. So I don't know, Matty, whether you're thinking Zhang can uh, get the impenetrable chin. I think Bryant Jennings had a bit of success, but he was a smaller guy going to the body. And he managed to hurt Joyce slightly, but to the chin, nobody's been able to do it yet. But I do think for the first four or five, Zhang will let the shots go. It'll be pretty even, Stevens, before Joyce takes over. Yeah, I, I think uh, this will definitely be another one where Joyce takes the stoppage on the back half of the fight. Um, we'll, we'll see how that works out. Um, that'll probably go exactly that way unless I choose to put $5 on it. And then obviously Zhang will win. Or, yeah, yeah. Or Zhang will win. And God damn it, Steve, you know what's what will kill you right now is look at this week of upsets that we just uh, that we just experienced here. Um, and you wonder if there's just one more in the waiting. And we, we've been uh, bigging up Joe Joyce as he's been battering these fuckers around the ring over the last couple of years. Um, and then you, 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 maybe this this big son of a bitch is, is, is there to, to take this guy out. But um, everything would tell you 
from what we've seen is that Joyce is just going to to, to take the best that Zhang has to offer, slowly wear him down, start landing that long jab and, and, and the right hand behind it. And and uh, maybe you're right. Maybe it'll it'll be a, a, a referee stoppage on it, or maybe he'll let the canvas. But expectedly, um, kind of maybe the tail of two fights a little bit here with uh, Joyce definitely getting the better of it down the stretch, probably stopping Zhang somewhere before the tenth. Yeah, Michael Thompson says Joyce will smash Zhang up. No dramas. I, th- I do think early on Zhang does put his punches together nicely for a big guy. As I said before, he's got fast hands and he can punch early on in the fight. It's late on when he starts to gas out a bit. He has trouble because of his age and the fact he's a big fellow and he's had the liver problems. But I do think early on he will. His hand speed and his accuracy will give Joyce something to think about and he can punch too as well. A shout out to Frank, rapping Rob Kelly. I mean, it's not the fight that we wanted, obviously. We want to see Joyce uh, fighting the best if they can't get it on between them. But this is uh, this is okay, actually, for warm-ups and for tune-ups and for keeping things active, Rob. I think Zhang is... I'm happy enough with that, to be honest, for Joyce. Yeah, I mean, probably... Like, we know the heavyweight division is not stacked outside the top five, really. And the rest of the top ten could be anybody. Like, you know, you could have Derek Chisora in there. Fuck me. Um, so... I think it's a good fight for Joyce, but I think it's going to be a horrible fight on the eye. I think it's going to be so ragged. Like, I think Zhang is going to be so fucking ragged. He'll have a go, but he's going to be getting flung around the ring there, like, um, with Joyce just plodding him, walking him down, like, thudding shots. I think Zhang will make a, make a go of it, but I can't see him putting a, a dent in Joyce whatsoever. And I think he'll probably run out of steam around 9 or 10, or the ref will stop it or something. But it's going to be fucking... I don't think it's going to be massive entertainment value. Like, I think, just think it's going to be durable Joyce wearing him down like and Joyce is a nightmare like and he's a you know he's he can he can possibly clean up the heavyweight division with his style if he gets the fights in time because he has a chance of beating them all but you know fucking this this fight's not going to look great like I don't think it's not going to look great but we're going to watch it anyway on BT Sport next Saturday evening am I missing any fights Matty next week that's the only two that really sprung out to me anything that's caught your eye uh, let, let's make sure there's nothing that we missed there. Let's see here. Not missing a major pay-per-view or anything, am I? Hopefully not. Let's see here. Michaela Mayer on that undercard. Let's see here. Yep, nothing to see yeah. there. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, we might be having a light week before we have a, a big week. She's doing the uh, OnlyFans now, Michaela. No, I know, yeah. No kidding. Down with that sort of thing. The yeah. only chicks. Huh. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so I think we'll have a little bit of a slow week here. Uh, nothing going on stateside. Uh, and then uh, the, the the next, uh, but the next Saturday, we'll have a lot of good action with a decent card from Cardiff uh, before we head into the pay-per-view stateside. Brilliant stuff. And with that, we shall move on to Belly of the Week for episode 518. Matt is here. You heard from him just, my uh, co-host. You've got Andy on as well. And rapping Rob Kelly, who might be interested in this one. MTK Enforcer Rick Graville sent it to me a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> oh, no. So, <laughs> no swans were hurt in the making of this video. It's <laughs> cut from the old days of RTE, actually. Jimmy McGee going back to the Nigel Ben, Steve Collings era, in fact. And, and a bit of beef here on RTA. Let's have a look. Title fight. Overall, the event was a tame affair until uh, Nigel Benn went head-to-head with our reporter, Colin Murray. It was a beautiful day here in Manchester as world super middleweight champion Stephen Collins and challenger Nigel Benn came head-to-head for a press conference to announce their forthcoming title fight at the city's 9X Arena on Saturday the 6th of July. 
But it wasn't all plain sailing, however, with the world champion, fans, media, and promoter Frank Warren all waiting Godot-like on the arrival of the unpredictable former WBC champion. I'm very disappointed in him, but uh, at least he's going to be here today, unlike last time, we didn't show up at all. And then at just after one o'clock, more than 90 minutes late for the scheduled 11.30 a.m. press conference, Nigel Benn arrived to the Victoria and Albert Hotel in Manchester. Inside, it was a relatively tame affair, with both fighters proclaiming their mutual respect, until Ben, who apologised for his extremely late arrival, took exception to my question as to the reason for it. Afterwards, he refused to speak to RTE, obviously having taken umbrage at being queried. I didn't mean to insult you, I'm sorry about that. No, 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 honestly, genuinely, I wasn't trying to insult you. don't disrespect me, mate. No, I'm not trying to, I'm not in any sense trying to disrespect Why would you take umbrage at a valid question? No, 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 don't be disrespectful to me. And that's it. That's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, it's a reasonable, it was a reasonable question to ask you if you were 90 minutes late. Why? Talking about respect, don't talk to me like that. Despite the long wait, however, a patient, Steve Collins, is very much looking forward to their forthcoming clash. Fucking Ben on the gas, man. Even McGee gets stuck in there at the end. McGee, packing a hunky door, he's stuck it in his pocket. Wasn't that interesting, though, Rob? Especially considering the way the son has approached things. I, what I found out, what I, what I found from this clip was. He says, oh, you're an hour and a half late, Nigel. Why? Don't disrespect me. Don't disrespect me. Well, I mean, is that not a fair enough question? Where's the disrespect? I just don't, don't know ask why Nigel Ben where he is, mate. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I don't understand why these Irish journalists want to press boxers. It's like your man Joe Malloy wanting to press Roy Jones on the cockfighting. Well, Roy, would you change your views on cockfighting right here on this fucking interview? Roy's like, no, why don't you suck my dick? <laughs> Fuck off. Interesting though that he goes to the disrespect line, isn't it? From such a from such a mild. Didn't and he was going to stick the nut on him, man. Kelly Maloney was like, he was going to fucking stick the nut on him there at the end. See, don't fucking talk to me like that. I didn't say it. it's a little shoulder roll there from Jimmy McGee. If I was fifty years younger, I would have beat your ass. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't oh, do man. shit. <laughs> <laughs> Good times indeed. Thank you to MTK Enforcer Rick Gravel for throwing that one our way. The bouts have flown thick and fast, Matty. As you uh, said earlier, hammering Hank Lundy, Teflon Fitness Promotions and Stay Ready Promotions. Thanks, Mickey. <laughs> Presents <laughs> basement brawls. Uh, they are. That was uh, yesterday, Saturday the 8th of uh, April. V Hustle went in against Davon. This was in Philadelphia. Should have got your ass up there, Matty. What happened? Yeah, I've no Who idea, won? To be honest. I don't know. Well, why would you tease me like that, Steve? <laughs> I didn't realise the date until I started reading it out to you there now. Hey, why is this in the belly of the week and not in our uh, <laughs> recap of the previous night's action? Well, I suppose it should be. I've got, I got sent a couple, actually. Matty was trying to find where you could buy that online. You yeah. <laughs> they are. That's the kind of <laughs> shit that Tim Boxy was talking about, man. He, he posted that. Is that. that is fucking terrible. What's this? <laughs> Who the fuck in their right mind, man, would even think that's appropriate or even... I mean, nobody... Look, who's... Why have they got a cunt here in the fluorescent vest look like he's looking for, like, some cunts fell out of the rail and didn't the fucking cliff side or something like that? You know? Well, who are they? Looks like the cover from a fucking 80s B-movie, doesn't it? Like... Is, that, is that like Drew McIntyre at the top there, but is it, is it he's... It looks, it looks like these two fellas having a fisticuffs have formed some kind of unlikely alliance on a prison chain gang and they're going to break out by fucking... And then a, a series of adventures is going to ensue, doesn't it? It's got fake actors. I mean, it's John claude Damvan. 
Somebody, somebody needs to tell Gabe that they stole a picture from his family reunion. Gabe, <laughs> uh, we find Gabe, I might be dead probably. <laughs> exactly, Gabe might be being Well, dead. then he'd be, he'd be much easier to find than we're even realizing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Hopefully it's somebody finished. finds him in the basement. Basement balls, Matty, mate. <laughs> there you go. We've been looking for him this whole time. Maybe it is the basement. Maybe he is so big that they have hollowed out Gabe and are There's now a, having fights. Show us that poster again, man. Fuck's sake. Look at that. They formed an, un- an unlikely alliance in the prison chamber. <laughs> they killed his brother. Now it's time for revenge. <laughs> like the A team fucking revisited there. Yeah, but that headband dude does kind of look like a pussy version of that big Korean guy in fucking Bloodsport. Polo uh, Young. Polo Young. Like, oh, <laughs> that was a big son of a bitch, man. My God, was he massive. What's Chivarette's got to do with this? This fucking sponsor in the background. What's going, what's going on up there? Oh, yeah. that's whatever the fuck that is. Well, it's live on, it's live on Facebook, so more get yeah. to watch it for free. I, I love the way it's like in some shrubbery and then there's like a cloud <laughs> with a fucking image of the boys having a fuck. What the fuck yeah, is going on here, man? It's like some sort of fucking like hanging guard, like guards of Babylon or some shit that's meant to fucking represent it or whatever than that, eh? What a yeah. fucking clusterfuck that is, man. Great stuff. Belongs in the belly of the week. Talking to clusterfucks, we mentioned Amir earlier. He tweeted <laughs> on the 10th of May, so 2012. Why do all drug users have excuses? Peterson's where he had low testosterone, so took a booster and steroids. Plus, why didn't he declare it? An NFL better tagged him in this week, says, can I get an update on this, please? <laughs> Twitter never forgets. There's always a tweet. Boxers, just shut the fuck up, man. Don't have an opinion on anything. Shut the fuck up, because they're coming for you. Every time you fucking fuck up, they're coming back for you. They're coming yeah. for you. Tell you what else is coming for you, Andy. Big Bosh John Army. comes to play Easter Thursday. They are. He's, he's on all sorts of things now. Oh. There he is. Big John meets Big Bang Jang. I'm not sure how that went on Boss oh, TV. Mate. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what they kind of when they, they, they two met to discuss Chinese food, man? <laughs> oh, the meeting of the minds of that of the connoisseurs fucking delight. Billy <laughs> Zhang is like, I never fucking seen chicken balls. What are you talking about, man? We don't have that. <laughs> <at home." laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? Big John is probably confused. He's like, are you the fighter or the person bringing my takeaway? I, mean, I swear, oh, man, man, right? I fucking, I got out there. I hate Ozzy, man, because I did not know who Big John was. And now he's in all my algorithms. Like, all his content keeps coming up on my Instagram. There's one fucking video he does with El Brookman. And it's like, oh, John, you filled me right up and all that. Uh, but now I need to go, your balls. John's like, hang on, I'm a married man. And then she pulls out, like, two chicken balls and just squeezes them. John makes an orgasm face. And then there's another one where, like, his son is driving off in the car and then like Elbrook pulls her head up like as if she's and he's like my son used to be a virgin but he's not a virgin boss and I'm like what the fuck kind of content is this who's watching this shit what the fuck oh I hate him I fucking hate Big John man you watch his videos I got sent a video this week I forgot to cut it for fuck's sake he was at the rugby or something oh I forgot what was it light and a half he was at the he was at the England Rugby or something. I think Terry Woodfine sent it to Ozzy and he That's sent right, it to me. Yeah, see, it's, yeah, oh, yeah, it wouldn't be fucking fly half anyway. No, he was at he was at ringside or oh, pitch side. Sorry, talking shite as usual. I'll have to try and get that for next week. Sorry, I forgot all about that. Sorry about that, boys. Anyway, from Big John to the real stuff. Rick Glazer going to make a statement, but I'm not bragging. And you may find it hard to believe or funny, but think about it. I'm more successful in boxing over the last seven years than Al Heyman. Why? Because he had to blew up. 
and is in debt, 900 million of other people's money to be able to stay afloat in boxing. I didn't. And I'm profitable every year and have zero debt factor. Swallow that, Andy. Fuck off. What? I swallow that. I thought me, I thought he could <laughs> Swallow He's that. a knob in the glazer, man. What fights he ever made? Oh, I, I, mate, I have no idea what he does in boxing. I don't even know. If, if he can make a living out of sport, maybe we need to know how because. He's a fucking fraud, man. Another one was on the fucking alimony pony with <laughs> Danny Kinahan money, wasn't he? He's a fucking oh, prick. He's a grifter, him, isn't he? Oh, what, mate. People quote him as a source. I hear people going, oh, well, according to Rick Glazer, etc. And I'm like, according to Rick Glazer, come on, seriously. What, we, need get, we need to get him on the call. I, I think Matty would be the ideal one to kind of deal with him. Or even Steve's dry whip man, for example, we need to Tom Sanders. Why the fuck should we care about Fraser Quinn, though? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think it's funny that he closed out with Swallow That when swallowing is probably why he's profitable. <laughs> oh, on your knees, Rick. On your knees. Value of the week, 518. Roy Jones Jr., he lost to Anthony Pettis, Rob, but he said, had a hell of a good time. Just showing people that age ain't nothing. It's all about God's plan. <laughs> God's plan was for you to retire after Ruiz, man. You weren't listening to God or the rest of us. Like, right, for fuck's sake, man. I love you, but stop. Like, stop. Age is something. <laughs> that was 20 years ago, Rob. 20 years. <laughs> exactly. Age is something in professional boxing, man. You're 50 fucking four. You're not proving a point to nobody. Like, come on. What a legend, though, still. Fuck it, Roy. If you, were, you need to go out like that, do your thing. Like, who the fuck am I to talk to Roy Jones? The way he's moving in the ring there, man. Y'all must have worn clogs. <laughs> I'd fight him. Me against Roy. Let's make it happen. Here's the main man himself, uh, Big Ben. Eyes are useless when the mind is blind. Uh, it's Lee Wood, Fabio Wardley, Big Ben dropping them, and Ryan Deal got stuck in on the photo see, there. See if you said to someone, oh. would you rather have blind eyes or a blind mind? What would they say? <laughs> <laughs> Brian Deal photoshopped that in, into this one and he put in the caption oh, don't get greedy David <laughs> <laughs> he's brutal isn't he <laughs> brutal mente brutal mente what a man Ryan Deal he's been up to no good here he is again the guard having a shower with the guard I can't remember if that was him or Damo. They're all flowing them out left, right, and centre every week. Wonderfully <laughs> creepy. Wonderfully creative. Uh, one thing the guard would approve of, Matty, is Anthony Yigit. Can uh, you dig it? Can oh, you dig yeah, it? Yeah, baby. That's scarier than his punch power, that, isn't it? Foot me. <laughs> and you don't beat his punch power, mate. He might put them as some force. You never know. He What's he wearing? A little, little oh. dress, isn't well, Rob, what do you wear when you go to a bisexual orgy? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Sweden's quite a kind of a very cosmopolitan country, Rob. It's very open sexually. See some weird Coke. shit happen. Like, you've got, oh, mate, I tell you, see all the steam rooms and that, man. It's unisex. Sights you see in it, man. It's incredible. You see fucking tall, short, fat, thin, blonde, dark, whatever you want, mate. Be stroking. They're all a bit pale for me out that way. Or fucking south of the border, but anyway, let's, let's not go there. Fucking hell. Well, well, actually, Rob, you're going to exactly the right place where you need to be right now with the quote. A black couples tweeted out, God, when? And Clarissa said, God, I literally pray for this. Send him down, Lord. Send him on down. <laughs> Two boys in the chat to take that up. I see, Clarissa, if you're fucking interested. <laughs> Oh, 
Oh my goodness me. Ricky yeah. Gravel would be up for that when he bobbing <laughs> in the swimmer pool with Clarissa Shields. He, <laughs> he certainly would. Uh, this one, Andy, I'm incredibly disappointed to say I'm now hearing that I will be removed from the May 20th card. This is Ellie Scottney in Dublin yeah. due to Chantal Cameron and her management insisting to my promoter that I'm allowed, not allowed, sorry, to be on undercard because of who trains me. I'm not so sure about Belly the Week. It's a messy old situation, this, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know what to say about it, to be fair, actually, because I, really, I haven't really kind of followed it. Um, it's just, if it's true, it's, it's, it's a fucking shit situation, to be fair. But it's a world title fight as well at the end of the day. Yeah. I think even Lou DiBella might, I think it's, is it his fighter, I think, is involved as well. Um, Shane McGuigan's the man in the middle, isn't he? There's some kind of beef and there's MTK. Yeah, but it's, and... it's, it's Scotland no, no fought in Cameron's cars before with Shane McGuigan as, as the man, or quite nah, possibly the trainer and that. So it, it makes no sense. It's odd, very odd. Um, I think Eddie's got a, a, an interview. Is, I've not seen it, but some people maybe be able to fill us in and chat what Eddie said, but it was basically saying, I think, roughly along the lines that he had no, I don't know if he had a choice to deal with it, to be fair, mate. I, I really what's, don't know. What's meant to have gone on between the two of them? It's all very hush-hush, isn't it? There's NDAs and all that. Like, what's... Yeah, I don't know. She put something out, didn't she, about going up and down from Northampton to London and training on her own, and he, I think he's just got messy, Rob, to be honest. Cash. Sounds, sounds like a lot of our women shit to be honest with you. Could yeah, be I think so. Like, like the goat in the swimming pool just got messy. Dominic oh, Henry, he'd oh, be right over the goat. Oh, he loves the goat. He loves the goat, does yeah. Dominic. Yeah, yeah, Don, put himself okay. forward, man. Don't be so shy. Get out there on Twitter. She she make it she's head with them thighs. Hi, <sighs> she has like some pain on her. Uh, anyway, one more for you. It's getting uglier. I think this was Damo, the Dr. FMG, might have been Ryan Deal. Who knows? But they've been mixing up the boys. <laughs> We've got Edward. <laughs> oh, you heard. Oh, my God. Amazing. Amazing. Look at, oh, at Femi, man. I thought it was Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> bad boys, bad boys they are indeed. I got sent a few more today, but I haven't been able to cut them because I've been out and about. So, unfortunately, that's all the ones I have for this week. Uh, Matty, any from you, please? Oh, you got to give one to Rafael Ramos for the performance in that fucking uh, Matisse, uh, Matisse fight. That was just fucking ridiculous. What a fucking chump he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We won't revisit what you said earlier, Matty, but we'll put him up for Bellier of the week, I suppose. That, that's that's maybe enough. He agrees. Right. Right. <laughs> Andy, any nominations from you, Andy, please? Um, Don't think so, mate. No in terms of kind of boxing thing. As I said, I've been really busy this week with obviously the holidays and that, so... Mm, nothing for me, mate. Obviously, Amir Khan for failing his drug test. That's yeah. then it's obviously been, you know, it's come out 50, was it 50 months later. Not good enough, mate. Not good enough. And probably one the no, I think that's it. Yeah, that's that, mate. Sorry. Yeah, no, no problem. No problem. Uh, thanks to Terry Wood finally sent in the big John one. I'll try and play that next week. Nothing from Oz. Anything from you, Rob? Uh, yeah, um, fucking Jermaine Franklin's trainer clapped back at Anthony Bellew, didn't he? This week he said, uh, Lorenzo oh, Reynolds has never pal- called out Tony Bellew following their class. He said, I'm in the shape of my life. He looks like a 55 year old soccer dad with a suit on. If Bellew has a problem, we can do an exhibition. <laughs> well, it's not hard to find him. He'd be at the front row of most boxing shows if you're looking for him. Jermaine yeah, Franklin's trainer. Come and say hello. I'm liking that guy already, Rob. I had no idea who he was before the weekend, but I'm liking that comment. So, yeah, man. Yeah, you let it. You let him have it. Didn't be perfect. And uh, has, I think has, Andy Lee was. Has Bellew clapped back yet? 
They were at, no, I don't, I'm not sure. I didn't keep up, but I saw Andy Lee said they asked him about the shenanigans at Ring Time News side, and he was like, Tony Bellew got himself involved, as he likes to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tony, man, he just wants to be left alone. Quiet life. Wife just and kids, mate. That's all the nominations I've got then and the boys as well. So we had Nigel Ben coming in earlier on. We had the guard as well, along with Amir Khan. We had the basement brawls. Hank Lundy's enjoying it. That's good enough for me. We had whatever the hell that was. We had Amir again. We had Big John coming out to play with the Gilet Zhang. We had Big John again. We had the real Rick Glazer, not the fake one. Roy Jones, it's all in God's plan for him to get beaten up. We had uh, unrivaled work. Don't get greedy. Uh, Ryan Deal again with the guard in the shower. We had Anthony Yigit. We had the Groat uh, careers going down. We had Chantel Cameron, the beef with Ellie Scottney. And we had the boys at the end there. And Rafael Ramos, of course, as nominated by you, Matty. Who are you going for this week, Matty? Value of the week for episode 518. Steve, I think you got to go for Amir Khan for getting a drugs ban uh, for a fight retroactively <laughs> that he just got his ass kicked in, in on so many levels. This is just, I, just a complete complete boner very eligible for the belly of the week uh, i gotta go to amir he makes a good case andy actually <laughs> he does mate he does i mean he come I mean, he was, he was semi-retired amir khan for fucking years anyway wasn't it at that point i don't think he was even active breaking news guys breaking news you kind of released a statement to say that they um the levels found in his system were way too low to say that he has cheated and that he passed loads of tests beforehand so he's getting off with it anyway Value the week to us then. Breaking news from Robert. Uh, Seriously, Dave, Dave Lee's put that in the chat. No, Dave Lee's put that in the chat. It's on Khan's Twitter or something like that. <laughs> Amir's innocent. Right so you want to revisit right your pick, Matty? Wait, right no. Amir Khan just tweeted here. Give me a second here. You oh. kind of stated that the investigation into Amir Khan failed, to, failed drug test following his bout with Kelbrook determined that Khan passed multiple tests prior to the contest and did not deliberately take the banned substance, Osterine. UCAD also stated that the amount found in can system was a thousand times too low to enhance performance in oh, any Jesus way. Jesus Christ. UCAD confirmed can pass. Aye, so it's just kind of like a weak in a headline effect there. So aye. Why are you abandoning Woo! them? Like? Why are you abandoning them? Like? Why is he serving a band? Strict liability, mate. Uh, you, hot, are you sticking with Amir, uh, Matty, or are you off the train? Yeah, let's go for what looked like uh, the fights uh, in the woods outside of somebody's meth trailer. Oh, there we are. The meth trailer from Matty. Who are you going for, Andy? Uh, I'm going for the picture at the end, mate, with the three amigos <laughs> in the office. I thought that was class. I'm going Frank for that, Because I, I, I really thought that was Pacquiao at the bottom there. Because <laughs> of the hairdo. Remember Pacquiao used to have that hairdo when yeah. he was like, in America? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had a beard. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, that's right. Go back a well there. Good stuff. Uh Rob, who are you going for, please? Um, it's gotta be the poster now that Amir is innocent, even though he's not fucking innocent. But anyway, um we go for the poster now. The boys there like having a little fucking, <laughs> fucking moment. Like, what what the fuck? <laughs> Who's made that poster? Like, for fuck's sake. Ryan Deal, get yourself out there, man. Fuck's sake. That looks like it's been put together by a ten-year-old. Like, it's like, you know what she's done? She's like been cutting shit out of like magazines and pictures. Oh yeah, and <laughs> the then, Toys R Us catalogue. Exactly. Coloring it in, then fucking sticking it on top. And, oh, what a shambles, man! <laughs> These fellas in the background as well with the high vis. What's go- what's going on in your life? Sir? What are you doing? Exactly. It's like there's like a, a landslide <laughs> in the background. They're like 
It's like Fuck workers, him. for example. Look at the, look at the guy in the middle with the fucking hat on and the fucking rab scene. That's a bit vest. Look the at fellow him. with the fucking he looks like Kenny Powers with a mullet and a fucking. I thought he was like Joe Rogan. To be fair, do you know what country it is? Chivaretto. It'll be I don't know. Guatemala. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell! <laughs> Anyone can get it. Chips <laughs> a lot, man. Fuck's sake. That's <laughs> shit, man. Oh, congratulations, boys. Boxeo, Apunio, Limpio. It's going to be Limp there and Chivaretto in Guatemala. Congratulations. You are the Belly of the Week winners for episode 518. Couldn't go to a finer group. Do you reckon there's rigid drug testing in Guatemala there? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought Aye. so. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not uh, over the influence, you're not getting in. Those boys have won. Well done to them. Shout out to the Patreon subscribers who joined us this week. Tom Langendorf getting himself into the Prediction League, Jason, Michael Sheehan, Jurgerson Fenkins, and Ali Brightwell. So we had quite a few joining up over at patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. Thank you to them. Thank you to everybody else. Don't forget to hit the like, subscribe. If you enjoy listening next week, we'll have a pack preview show. I think it'll be for Garcia Davis. We'll be talking about that. We'll be going over Joe Joyce against Gilles Zhang as well and whatever else takes our fancy. Thanks to Matty for coming on tonight. Thank you to Andy Patterson as well. And wrapping Rob Kelly, I've been Steve Wellings, your host. We'll catch you all again, same time, same place, next week. And bye. We'll never forget. We want to be honest, yeah. Crying like a little bitch. I've never met a fucking so that can fight me. I fell asleep. I fell asleep. You're a fucking bomb. You're a fucking asshole. Rumpo fucking stealth skin. But allegedly, Oscar Rivas has has, has failed has failed a test. Seven year old. Seven year old. I will fucking smash. Fuck you. I hope you fucking die. Be safe. I love boxing sounds. Simple as that. Podcast Network.